0: You're listening to the quarter to three movie podcast for triple nine. This is the closest I could get. My name is Tom Chick. I am here with Christian Rinstowski.
1: I'd like to be known as Insta Google tweetface
0: <laughs> And with our triple nine tagline or two, maybe three, Kelly Wand. Uh,
2: if training day met heat, it'd be it'd be better than this. If Training Day met Heat, it'd be better than this. <laughs> if Training Day met Heat, okay, that's three. I got right. it. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's
1: your triple tag nine.
2: Puts the angst back in gangster.
0: Aw, that's
2: cute. Aww,
1: that's cute. Yeah, it is cute.
2: And finally, it's like AMC threw up.
0: I don't get that one.
2: Because it's Aaron Paul and Daryl.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get You're, it. You've excluded Dingus. Uh, Dingus Is an actor the
1: AMC from, movie theaters? No,
0: that's an actor from Breaking Bad <laughs> and uh, uh, The Walking Dead, which are both very popular series on AMC that you've been waved off of by various people, including me.
1: Oh, and, and me. that's the Norman Reedus connection.
0: Norman Reedus and Aaron Paul, yeah. That's the connection there. Right. Uh, oh, but days. yeah, Dingus, I, I kind of went with you and thought uh, the movie theater, because you and I, Dingus, are more movie people. Kelly Wand is more of a TV person. Right, yeah. And
1: who knows what they call the theaters over there.
0: Dingus, what movie did we see this week? Right, well, this week,
1: this week we saw Triple Nine, a 2016 American crime thriller drama movie about two lovers betrayed by secrets of others who must choose between exile or death. It oh, like was... Last week. You know, just like last week. Yeah. It was directed by John Hillcote and written by Matt Cook. It stars Casey Affleck, Anthony Mackie, Tweedle Ejiofor, Kate Winslet, Woody Harrelson, Norman Reedus, and Clifton Collins, Jr. Triple Nine is rated R for Strong Violence. Uh. And language throughout, drug use, and some nudity.
0: What? Triple Nine did not do well critically. It's at 52 on Metacritic. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 54%. Cinema Score, which is the lowest common denominator, anything that gets like a B on Cinema Score is terrible. People, Cinema Score is like for idiots. Idiots <laughs> hated this movie. It's at C plus on Cinema Score, super low. Uh, on its opening weekend, it made six million dollars and opened in fifth place. Behind Risen, that Jesus movie.
1: What? Huh? What, yeah. what?
0: What? Yeah. What is that? So it's opening. Do you guys know about Risen? It's a movie about. Uh, no. It's a Jesus movie. It's one of those like, hey, ch- church, buy you know, church, buy all your tickets at a group rate and come see this oh. movie. Okay. It's one of those things. uh And that was fit. So it went. It was the weekend of. It was Deadpool's third weekend. uh It it was beaten by a movie called Gods of Egypt with Jamie Lannister and Gerard Butler. Playing Egyptian gods who fight each other. Uh, Wait, Kung- Risen was? No, Deadpool, Gods of Egypt, Kung Fu Panda, and Risen were the four movies that made more money than Triple Nine on its opening Uh-oh. weekend.
2: Oh. Yeah. Risen's a spoiler for a title.
0: <laughs> it depends, for- on when, yeah. the, depends on That's when the movie true. starts, I guess.
2: Yeah, it could start with the Risen. Right. And then it's like, what happened after that? If yeah. you just watched. All right. All right, so Kelly wants
0: give us your triple nopsis.
2: Oh wait, I had to add ratings. Ah, yes, okay, that's really important, Tom. Uh, I would have added Winslet, Welshing, gum chewing, and math
0: in the title.
2: <laughs> okay, <laughs> silence.
0: That I those sure. are all good. I think the the uh, the ratings board should have in- definitely included those, especially the gum chewing.
1: Yeah, the gum chewing would definitely be included.
0: He's, he's chewing gum while drinking a beer at one point. That's some dedicated gum chewing. Yeah. That's
2: law enforcement.
0: It's his donuts.
1: <laughs> and I've heard more than one person say that about the gum chewing, by the way.
3: It's a uh, lot of gum.
1: It's a lot of gum chewing. Like it's it's a huge piece of gum in there. It's the same piece, right?
2: Because this all takes place in a single day.
1: Like Empire Strikes Back.
2: Yeah, like Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Triple Nopsis. Daryl's sitting in a car at night with his black friend, Red Belt struggling to light a cigarette. He's all...
3: Fucking Russians. Totally squeezing us.
2: He squeezes his eyes with his eyelids for emphasis. They look at some pictures of satellite photos of themselves. Red Belt's all... But this bitch... Daryl's all... Yeah, no shit. I can almost feel you breathing down your necks. He gets a cigarette mixed up with the car seat and lights the wrong one on fire. Red Belt takes another picture, looks at it, and goes... Daylight means terrain. We're gonna need Falcon. Daryl's all Don't worry, I train myself. Red Belt's all it ain't Falcon I'm worried about. Wait. Scary Rat plays over black and white photographs of tattoos of money. Some numbers are all triple napsis. The robbers are taping their fingers together in a van so they can pass more convincingly as Spanish. Redbelt looks at Pinkman and goes, How can you love your female dog more than a bitch? Some credits are all guest-starring AMC's Aaron Paul and Daryl. A blonde Jewish Russian Winslet opens a trunk and, just like the Blair Witch, gives a baggie of teeth to some people with tape on their mouths. She's all... In Russia, teeth brush you! She shuts the trunk, turns to a henchman, and goes, Flying squirrel and moose in big trouble now, Boris. Some words are all surprise <laughs> appearance by Casey Affleck. I look over at Michael Mad smoking beside me and go, Too many opening scenes set in a vehicle make me feel like I'm still commuting to the theater, and I rented this. Meanwhile, in a robbery vehicle, Daryl shaves off his mustache and puts on a fake one. Falcons all. Okay, let's bookmark this one for the books. Daryl hands him a paperclip and fist bumps himself. The class clown of the bunch wears sunglasses over his ski mask. They break into a bank and shoot out all the chandeliers. Then they taser an old male stripper wearing a security guard uniform, then make the bank president look at some pictures of their kids in a nearby house. Falcons all. There's plenty more kids where these came from. The bank president gulps and opens the vault doors. Daryl watches images on his laptop grimly through binoculars. On the screen, a hint window expands that says, You are robbing a bank right now. Daryl puts on a headset and grunts into the ear part.
3: Yet, negative eight seconds before responder ones within parking distance.
2: His friends steal a safety deposit box and some cash, then shoot more chandeliers and take a bandana out of a woman's mouth to show that they come in peace. On their way out, they put some (laughs) magnets on the doors to confuse any pursuing scientists. When I come to, they're all in the van and caroming down a freeway. In his SWAT van, Daryl's all, There's a sidewalk adjacent to your street coming up. Ignore it. In the bank robber van, Pinkman's all,
3: Hey guys, anybody seen my red powder? (laughs) Or my jack-in-the-box!
2: A bag of money explodes into red talcum that fills the van and starts streaming out the windows. Into the headset, Daryl's all, There's some red powder coming out of your car. They open and get rid of the door in an effort to annoy other nearby cars with the powder. Someone honks in amusement. Eventually, they get rid of the powder by blowing up the van. Then they go to a parking garage. (laughs) That'll do it. It would have been funny, though, if it had been like that crop duster fire extinguisher stuff. And then the it subdues. The... <clears throat> then they go to a parking garage and blow up another van. Later, as Pinkman rubs mud on his face from the sink, Daryl's all,
3: Hey, what happened back there?
2: We cool. Pinkman's all,
3: Something is cops use a special office, too. It's
2: fine. They both nod and trade guttural all rights. Daryl eventually finds a van with Falcon in it and gets in the driver's seat. Daryl's all, look, man, I know you give a fuck. Falcon's all, we family, man. He raises his fist for a fist bump, but Daryl goes for the kiss, so they both stare at each other uncertainly. Falcon waits for Daryl to get out, then drives off to buy some kosher meats, but is distracted by the sight of Jews handing bags to each other. Ominous music plays over a close-up of the word kosher. Meanwhile, Woody Harrelson's a cop. He drunkenly lurches through the bank, sniffing things, then goes, Well, I played a bank robber, and now you see me, and now you see me too, but this here's more like my country-for-old-men character, with a dash of kingpin. The bank president's all, Woody, they made me look at these pictures of their families. Woody's all, Walter, y'all are a bank manager. Be careful what you to tweet a doble. I'm DB. <laughs> Meanwhile, in a police station, a sergeant's all, Okay, everybody, listen up. We have a new recruit starting today. Casey Affleck? The cops all hoot and jeer derisively and tape him to a wall and swap baseballs at his face (laughs) while Dinkus fumes in disgust. (laughs) The sergeant's all, he's from zone two. The cops all laugh derisively again. One glues Affleck's buns together. Officer Falcon's all crossing guard. Affleck chews his gum and goes,
3: Ha ha, guys. I can be streetwise too. I'm an Affleck.
2: The Sarge is all, Let's see. The only unpaired black corrupt officer we have right now is Falcon. You're it. Falcon does a spit take. <laughs> Affleck's all, Yo, we may be
3: buddies, but that don't make us cops. Their first
2: assignment is to drive to where a fat black hooker's dancing on the hood of a pickup truck. Affleck draws his gum from its holster, spits his gun out, and goes, I'll handle this. Falcon's all, damn, man, this ain't Zone 2. He gets out and tricks the hooker by asking her to please come down and stop dancing. To celebrate, they go to look at three severed heads on a different car. Affleck spits gum into his mouth and goes,
3: Yeah, overall, the hooker had a better car hood act.
2: Falcon's all, shut the fuck up and let me do the talking. He slams his door shut, scowls, crawls out the window, goes over to the three heads, opens his notepad, and goes... Any of you see anything suspicious here in the last hour? Affleck sarcastically rolls one head's eyes, ambles over to a cadre of Latino street toughs with tattoos of earrings on their ears and upper lips, and goes,
3: Que que se biblioteca?
2: The bald chicanos all. Oh, you think you're from the streets because you chew gum, homie? Affleck's all,
3: I didn't say that, although I was thinking it, so you're all under arrest for reading a cop's mind. They start
2: beating him up. Falcon sighs and makes Affleck go into a liquor store with him to teach him proper cop behavior. As his first lesson, Falcon raises his gun at the proprietor and goes, you don't work here no more. The proprietor's all, okay, and leaves the country. Falcon turns to Affleck and goes, that was a lieutenant in the Mexican army you just asked for information out there. Affleck's all,
3: Oh, yeah, well, I don't know how you city boys square dance, but back in Zone 2, we consider rank meaningless.
2: Falcons all. I don't think our characters get along yet. Afflecks all. Just let me do my job. He turns around and gets confused by a locked door. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's true. 100%, yeah.
2: Yeah. What a dumbass. It's his character. Eh... Falcon goes home, microwaves a phone for breakfast, then turns into <laughs> oh, <that's- laughs> Wait a
0: minute.
2: It's <laughs> uh, <a> <laughs> you gum, and then they eat phones. <laughs> then he goes to visit his Jewish lady Russian friend, Kate Winslet. She's all. Bell, there. look what's like the a cat Draginsky ya. <laughs> Falcon's all. Look, yo, I just want my kids back. <laughs> Sorry, right. Zarya's all. Zarya always keep her word. And that word is I was kidding before. She raises a cell phone with a picture that says kid character parentheses Connor question mark on it. <laughs> it's all dingus. It starts ringing. She hands the phone to Redbell. He's all, who the fuck's this? A kid's voice is all, dad, I'm on a boat. It's the best time of my life. Dad, listen to what I can do. <laughs> Now, listen to me do it with my mouth. Winslet grabs the phone away and hangs it up. She's all, now you'll do second job by stealing file from dark building. Otherwise, Red Belt Jr. stay on boat for a whole summer. <laughs> Red Belt's all, okay, okay. I'm going to trust you this one last time, but if you make me do 17 more jobs, we're going to have a similar conversation. <laughs> she laughs at him till he leaves. He walks around till he finds a van with Pinkman and Daryl in it. Daryl's all, let me guess, dark building? Aaron Paul's all, I'm conflicted, bitch! <laughs> wait
0: <laughs> oh my god Kelly Wand that was perfect
2: <laughs> he's easier to do than I would have thought let me see that Emmy again
0: <laughs> I mean Chris it's... Never mind. Just Just saying. TV. it's a Breaking Bad thing uh, yeah. ah
2: do you see Breaking Bad no
0: no I believe it no, no. they lost no <laughs>
2: I don't watch that shit. <laughs> Red Belt's all, looks like we'll have to do a, he looks at us, triple nine. Daryl mutters something indecipherable. Pinkman's all, Ugh, corrupt cops have their own scanner codes. <laughs> Falcon's all, ten negative four. That night, Daryl walks to his car, nods at the guy crouched in the back seat, goes, sup. Gets in and starts the car. The guy in the back seat jumps up and puts a plastic bag over Daryl's face. As it covers him up, Daryl's indecipherable muttering becomes slightly muffled. That night, the gang all meets at the warehouse. (laughs) Red belts all. Hey, Falcon, how's killing your partner coming? They all laugh and point at him. Suddenly, Daryl shows up by bumping the fender of his car slowly into a building. Falcon's all, speaking of which, maybe we should get a better getaway driver. (laughs) Daryl rolls down his window, sticks his head out, and mutters something about blood in his mouth. Pinkman's all, his character's my brother in this, by the way. Red belt's all. He's got a bag on his face. Someone get it off. Falcon's all. On it. He draws his gun and shoots the bag. Daryl's head (laughs) turns. Wait a
1: minute.
0: (laughs) Kelly one.
2: What's happening?
1: What What, is happening?
0: It's it's, kind of like Lost Highway, where characters switch which actors play them, just randomly, in the middle of it. Yeah,
1: that's not (laughs) what happens. Just try harder. I'm trying harder right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what
2: the hell? Pinkman <laughs> draws his gun and goes, What store's that bag from? This means war, bitch. Red belt's phone rings. He picks it up and goes Hello I have killed your friend to make your doing job you already committed to doing for me easier. What the how's this make it easier? In Russia, we have saying, she hangs up. Meanwhile, Woody Harrelson watches footage of the robbery taken by himself. He points at the screen and goes, See, these boys ain't Spanish. Them's are ski masks. Ain't no skiing in Mexicano. To celebrate his theory, he goes to meet Affleck in a bar. Harrelson's all, Yeah, no country for old men, at least. In my last scene, I made Chigurh have to move his boots out of the way. He stands up, draws his gun, and bellows at the other bar patrons. Anyone here loud and dumb? Everybody rolls their eyes and goes back to watching Cheers on the TV above the bar. Affleck rolls his eyes twice and goes home, where his girlfriend Zelda Rubenstein gets mad because he's not looking at porn. He spits gum into his mouth and goes,
3: I had a convoluted day at work.
2: As she answers, he rolls his eyes and goes back to the bar, where Harrelson's still waving a gun around and throwing up on people. Suddenly, Pinkman walks up to Affleck, grabs him by the gum, pees on himself, and goes, You're gonna die up there, bitch! Falcon's all, <laughs> Sorry, partner, I'll handle this. He starts beating up Pinkman and goes, Keep my partner out of your shut till your mouth shut! I mean, Affleck rolls his eyes, spits his gum into one, and goes back home. A bunch of stuff involving a riot shield happens. To celebrate. <laughs> It's ten minutes Nothing happens To celebrate, Woody finds a used-up What? Nothing, go ahead, moving on He's saying nothing happens To celebrate, Woody finds a used-up roach and some Chinese food And eats it while his friend looks on in disgust Then to celebrate that, he does some blow in a car Then he goes to the police station Knocks a bunch of stuff off his own desk And screams
3: Does anyone
2: here believe Jesus actually existed? His cop friends are all, no, that's unlikely. And <laughs> hey, does anyone believe I'm telepathic? Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah.
3: But let's move out.
2: Falcon and Affleck go to investigate a vandalized building sign. As Affleck wanders around some dark hallways, he's all,
3: hey, Falcon, I'm picking up some illumination coming from my flashlight. Over. Falcon? Falcon, do you copy? Uh...
2: Suddenly, Falcon and Pikmin walk on screen and shoot each other. Affleck rolls his eyes, spits gum onto his walkie-talkie, and goes,
3: Uh, I think I got a double-triple-nine, so, uh, send a car 54. In accordance with state
2: law, all the cops of the city get in police cars and head for the vandalized sign. <laughs> Meanwhile, at a bank, a guard's all, Hey, you can't park by the steps. It has to be on the steps. Ah, I'm just kidding. Wah! Red Belt shoots him, then they tie his dead body to some banisters. Red Belt's all, there, that ought to make this banister less serviceable. They go inside, tie a pinata to a guy's foot, blow it up as the confetti inside rains all over the corridor, then tell another guy, you got a tenth of that strapped to your head right now. (laughs) Desperately, the guard's all, please, I hate life, how do I get you guys to kill me? Red Belt rolls his eyes and takes a random briefcase. He takes it to a dark street with Winslet on it. He's all, here, also I bought this for the kid on the boat. He unveils a plastic toy gun that's ticking and crudely wrapped in duct tape. (laughs) Winslet's all, You have done well! She snaps her fingers and her guards beat up her belt. (laughs) (laughs) That's their bargain. (laughs) She's all, Don't worry, I keep briefcase to child on boat. By the day, I have one more job for you. Nothing! She orders her driver to do a couple donuts and then cackles till the band drives off. The toy turns out to be defective and blows up Winslet's band.
4: Sanson.
2: Sanson toy. Red belt's all shit, yeah, I'm a genius. He starts his car and drives a couple blocks. Suddenly a cop pulls him over and shoots him in the face. Meanwhile... <laughs> He had a good plan, just didn't foresee the aftermath of the bomb no one caring. about. It. Meanwhile, Affleck finds a slip of paper in Falcon's underwear that says, or Washington, kill Affleck correctly this time, signed Self. Affleck goes to the hospital to grill Falcon while he's in a coma, but eventually gives up when the fourth cop slash robber shows up. This guy's all, hey, let's get an elevator together, then I'll shoot you. I mean, we'll get out of the elevator, and then I'll shoot you. I mean, not shoot you. As they ride down in the elevator, Affleck's phone rings. He spits gum on it and answers, Affleck. Affleck. On the other end, Woody Harrelson's all, it's me, Harrelson. The guy on the elevator with you is a killer. Affleck's all,
3: hang on, let me take you off
2: speakerphone. Hey, what? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, I got a better idea. Affleck shrugs and hangs up. He gets into his car and yawns. The other guy starts to shoot him, but loses interest and gets into his own car. From the back seat of that car, Harrelson's all, "Wait, how'd I get in here?" He and the other guy shoot each other. Woody <laughs> stares at us and dies until music plays. <laughs> the Cander leans over to me and goes,
3: "My death scene was by letter."
2: <laughs> <laughs> the end. <laughs>
0: I'm a little. Oh, the uh, the thank you for the vicander at the end. I'm very yeah. confused by your Daryl though. <gasps> Norman Reedus isn't? You made him sound like a quiet, mumbly <laughs> Kevin Costner. Yeah, huh? Isn't that what
2: he is on the show. He's got the same kind of mustache
0: as Cost. What Norman? Uh, okay, I I just I I love Norman Reedus so I. I guess, no, I do too. He Does kind of mumble, I guess. But you're Aaron Paul, by the way, spot on. And Dingus, that, that's the one time Dingus said I really wished you'd watched uh, Breaking Bad uh, is. Enjoying Kelly I Wand's rendition.
2: Yeah. My acting level's at the same level as Aaron Paul.
0: That's about right. Yeah. So but he's good on Breaking
2: Bad because he plays a dumbass.
0: Don't get me started, Kelly Wand.
2: Oh, really? We've had this conversation.
0: <laughs> yeah. <Probably have. laughs> That's one of the things I, that uh, I really liked about Triple Nine is you know, any in, in a movie that acknowledges that Aaron Paul is a dumbass, I'm I'm on board. Yeah, he's super dumb in this. Yeah. He's so. supposed to be, so that part works. All right, so I inflicted this on you guys because it was either this or Eye in the Sky, which also came out on DVD this week.
4: And <sighs> I say a I, tough
0: call. I say inflicted. I don't know anything about Eye in the Sky. Uh, I I really like this. I don't know if you guys would like it, but for various reasons, I think you guys should have seen it. Uh, so I can tell you right now, I am going to be It's uh, – I'm an apologist for Triple Nine despite Ugh. the fact that it tanked commercially. It didn't get good reviews. Uh, It made no money. Nobody liked it. Uh, And it also – actually, I'll say this in a minute, but it it made me realize something about myself, which I will get to shortly. So uh, what did you guys think of Triple Nine?
2: The acting is really good. Um, I think the writing jumps the shark in the third act, but – it's not as good as the proposition, and I forget what the other hill code is.
0: The road and um, oh, the road, right? Uh, Damn There's another know. one. There's another one. Lawless. Lawless, right? That's the other one. The, the law- oh, I hate that one. I do too. Yeah, lawless. I, I don't. I, I don't even hate lawless. I just remember so little about it. It just made so little impact on me. I think Shia LaBeouf was in it. I guess. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, we did it. Or... We did it for the show. Yeah, yeah.
0: I just, I just, it
2: just. It and Tom matter. Hardy does that dance at the end. After you're like, I'm not going to dance for you. He has that really weird voice
0: in it. Is Christopher Walken him? in that. Does Christopher Walken kill someone in that?
1: No, I think you're talking about Gary. Um... Oh, jeez, who's uh, everyone? Everyone. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman's in it. Yeah. Kills her, Okay.
0: But yeah, Lawless and The Road, I think we're all not impressed with. We, of course, I think all like the proposition. Um, Yeah. So, Kelly Wan, you're kind of lukewarm on it. You said it jumps the shark in the third act. I want to hear about that in a second. Dingus, what's your overall assessment of Triple Nine?
1: I'm crazy about it. I love it. I think this movie is amazing. What? Yeah.
0: Kelly Wan, did you see that coming?
2: No. I couldn't tell what he thought.
0: All right, Dingus, what's crazy about it? Explain yourself. What, What made this work so well for you? All right, I think I don't that, know if you remember, it got fifty-four on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, fifty-two, per, 52 on Metacritic. Only fifty-four percent of the reviews are positive. How can you possibly be crazy about it? Explain yourself.
1: Oh, there's so many things I could say about this movie. I think it's uh, also
0: C plus on Cinema Score. Just remember that. Yeah, I'm an idiot and I hated it. <laughs> you I did, am not,
1: you I'm did not.
3: not. Fifty-two. You did not hate it.
1: No, um, oh, that's uh, true. I, I just I I just I love the way uh the I I love the build of the movie I love uh the way the major set pieces are shot um as you know there are so many other movies I I thought of while I was watching it uh in in uh favorable ways Uh, and in double favorable ways, by double favorable I mean, well, this is a, this is a sequence I didn't really care for in such and such a movie, say, True Detective, but I love the way this, this sequence is filmed in this movie. Um, uh, there are things. I, I mean, I'm I'm absolutely nuts about this movie. I love the way John Hill Hillcoat co- shoots it. I love the way I, there's so many things. I love the way about the way it's shot. It's so hard to figure out some of the relationships, but the acting is uniformly excellent. I think, and um I, and I think the characters are well drawn. It's just hard to figure out some of the relationships. Uh But yeah, I'm totally nuts about this movie. I'm totally nuts about it. And um. I'm so glad we got to see it. I'm so happy we got to see this movie.
0: Because I saw this a while ago and didn't uh, – Oh, I didn't know that.
1: I didn't know you'd seen it a while ago.
0: Yeah, and I, I sort of knew that it didn't do well. I knew that it didn't review well, and I, I sort of see this as a very flawed movie, and I I wouldn't be sure – Thing is, I would guess you might appreciate it. I wouldn't have guessed you would have liked it as much. Kelly Wan, I would have guessed you would have responded a lot more strongly to uh, You Hate Redemption. This is a yeah. really dark, ruthless movie that – Pretty much kills everyone. This, this movie is like – and the only guy who's alive has no idea what the hell was going on. Right. Like anybody who That's true, was actually. directly involved in these events, who the corruption or whatever Woody uh, Harrelson calls the monster, whoever was touched by this, they all die at the end. I mean it's yeah. a veritable Hamlet ending, and the one guy left standing has no concept of what was going on around him. Uh, and Even I though lo- he was told that. And I, I love how kind of just bleak and nihilistic that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would have thought you would have responded to that, to that pretty well, Kelly Wan. And certainly the violence, like when you, you see the I hits, like that Yeah, like there's no mistaking this being an
1: R-rated movie. And uh, I
0: like the Riot Shield sequence a lot.
1: That, the action re- pe- I, mean, I, was, I was so confused when you said nothing happens during that because that sequence is like holding your breath sequence. I mean that's, that's the sequence no, that I, know, but... I, I didn't like and that you guys loved about True Detective – uh, this is a sequence that I, I much prefer the way this sequence is shot to over the way that the true detective sequence was shot. I, I love would- the way that the the the, the apartment completely uh, reveals itself and then reveals to be another apartment and another apartment and another and then down the stairs again. I love the way that that unfolds. I love the character in this. I love I love the way that 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 Chris that Casey Affleck's character is revealed to us through that. And the way their relationship develops and how that plays out at the end, I freaking love that sequence so much.
0: And the thing about that that riot shield sequence, I can't think of it. It's something I haven't seen before.
1: Yeah, I yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, and, it's, and, you can, yeah, you've seen plenty of people like clearing out tenement buildings or shootouts in tenement buildings, but this whole idea of the four cops stacked on each other with the riot shield—I uh, mean, it's something I know from from certain video games, but I don't think I've ever seen a movie play with that whole technique so thoroughly and be such a procedural too about here's how a riot shield works. It's and not
2: effective. Even,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's not necessarily even a riot shield. Like It's a, it's a Kevlar. It's like a, specifically a bulletproof shield so he can sit there while people are shooting at him and the guys can s- stack up behind him. Um, so yeah, that was one of the things I loved about it. I, like Dingus said, it reveals a lot about Casey
1: Affleck's character and his competence and his cool uh, yes. yeah. And and this is something that uh, that Chris Markinson who wrote in this week, he's one of the, the only one who wrote in this week, but he he says and I forgot to even write this in my notes, he says that he loved that part where where he's going through with the shield and and, and Chris keeps calling out uh, like two go there, three check there. That was you know so well well done. That's something Chris says, like when Casey Affleck says check that couch, I immediately thought of of the hidden gun in um, Blue Ruin. I, I, I just thought of, like, you know, check that couch, and the cops left the couch real quick, and he's like, go over there, check that. See, because I thought bus- of,
0: I thought of Imogene Poots in Green Room.
1: <laughs> oh, very
0: good. Oh, very good.
1: That's excellent, Tom. Yeah, that's much
0: better. <laughs> um,
2: I didn't like the Harrelson character. I thought he was from a different movie, and I didn't like the Winslet character.
0: Okay, like, uh... Different reasons. They were, okay, so they... They definitely were distinct from the the core gang members. Uh, uh, yeah, I like the gang members. Yeah. I don't know. I... Go ahead. Yeah. Well, i just curious, what, Yeah, like I I I loved how different Kate Winslet looked yeah. and sounded. Uh, I really liked the fact that it reminded me a bit of like Jackie Weaver in Animal Kingdom. Yeah. That there was this maternal aspect to her ruthlessness. That it wasn't just a scenery-chomping villain. Uh, I liked the fact too that this Russian mafia was distinctly Jewish. Like that gave it a different texture. And actually, that's what I—that's the word I would use to describe this movie. And what I think is its best element is there's so much texture to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether it's the way he shoots it and the way people are like sweaty, uh, or the the relationships that that can be confusing, but I think there's a lot of nuance and texture there. Uh, and 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 characters like. You know the fact that she's not a Russian mafia she's a Russian Jewish mafia who wants to get her husband back to israel um mm-hmm. so i I really liked kate Winslet's character Woody Harrelson though i I wonder if I just have a problem with Woody Harrelson in general like I always feel like he's mm. Woody Harrelson and sometimes he plugs neatly into movies, other times he doesn't um so although I didn't mind him here, I could sort of see why you might. Not like him, Kelly Wand, but yeah, like,
2: it would be better without him. And I didn't like him showing up at the end in the car. I thought that was weak writing because he just called the guy right before that. I think though that, Is that set up right.
1: Do you understand well, the Do you understand the relationship with him and Chris? With him uh, and, he's with the his uncle. He's his think? uncle.
0: And his, he, it's his it's uncle nephew, right? And who got him the job? Like he's not yeah, only his uncle, but he's sense. shepherding his, his career and he's watching out for him. And and I think Kelly Wand. I think that's probably the takeaway that a lot of people who didn't like this movie or who, for whom it didn't work might come away with is well, it seems awfully random, is, uh, so they shoot each other. But I think it's kind of the point of the movie is that Woody Harrelson's character is almost like this Greek chorus in uh, and, mm. and explaining uh, this whole thing. And it might be a little heavy handed, but his little monologue about the monster and all you can do, you can't change the world. All you can do is protect your own, you know, your family. And that's what he does. He all he can do, you know, is is protect Chris, his nephew, and he gives his life doing it. And I think that's important. I think that's kind of the point of the movie: is that this ruthless band of thugs they will destroy themselves. They will take care of themselves. They're all going to kill one another. That's fine, but it takes men like Woody Harrelson to stand between them and the innocent. And that structure—that's the sort of the narrative structure of the movie—and I think that's kind of the point that the movie is making. Um, so. Yeah, it feels a little weird. Is that yeah? He shows up in the car and they shoot each other and then it ends. Uh, That's not a
2: bad ending in and of itself, you know, conceptually, like what you just said. That's cool. I just don't know lot logistically if if I'm supposed to go. If that makes him like superhuman or something, or like he like was that? Did he call him to make the killer think
0: that he wasn't in the back of his car? uh, I. I think he called him to to warn him. I mean, to say we. we... It has no effect. I don't know. Well, does it? I, have... I mean, why doesn't uh, <clears throat> not Cliff Curtis? What's that? Clifton Collins. Why doesn't yeah. Clifton Collins shoot, in, shoot Collins shoot him on the uh, the elevator? Not in the elevator because that would be messy. Uh, right. On the the roof of the parking garage.
2: I'm not sure. And that's the thing is like – one of the reasons I didn't like it was I thought that Casey Affleck's character was too passive by the end. But then you're like, well, yeah, that's the point
0: Well, he gets his gun ready. He's ready to pull his gun. He doesn't shoot right. him because there's a car that right. drives by and sees him. Uh, right. And now I don't know like if, if Woody Harrell said – yeah, I don't, I don't know about the dynamics, but it's clear I think that, that Clifton Collins is going to murder Casey Affleck's character. And yeah. specifically he wants to make sure that Anthony Mackie is killed as well. Uh, but I think he just doesn't do it. He's not going to do it in the elevator. That's going to be too messy. I think he's going to do it on the the roof of the parking garage. But then a car pulls up, and then he's going to plan to drive Chris somewhere and do it. But then Woody Harrelson and, and he kill each other. Uh, right. So th- that was the impression I got about the logistics of, of all of that. Um, but it does. I can I can completely understand it being an unsatisfying ending if you don't kind of apply to it that that structure that I felt that it had. And that's my interpretation.
2: No, I like your interpretation. I actually really like movies where the last shot's someone dying. I always think that's like a really poignant touch. Um,
1: for it just, me it was like a great juxt- the- juxtaposition to the final shots of Michael Clayton because it's it's this like just a character looking at the screen and thinking about, you know, cuz I think that for I think that character the fuse is burned out on is burning out in his life. I mean, you've got a, a bunch of different Scenes where he's like taking drugs from people, and he's just a burnt house, out, dude.
0: That, that's yeah. a reveal. Like his the state of his house, dingus. That's and him yeah. just sitting there shirt. I mean, that's just a pathetic.
1: Because yeah. you
0: see him, and you're like, wow, he's a wacky competent cop. But then you just see him completely, like you said, burned out at his house when Chris goes to see him.
1: Yeah, yeah. and I think that it's just it, his fuse is at the end, and and he's going to use the last the last point when he's going to explode is to take out this guy who could hurt Chris. Uh, and there's that beautiful moment outside Chris's house, where you know the the nephew the the kid comes up and the wife comes up and Chris comes up. You know when Aaron Paul runs off. Um, I, I I was having a hard time figuring out their relationship. But, so uh, what
0: were the yeah you mentioned that dingus? What were because I've seen this a couple of times and I it. At first, it, it was one of those movies that I just kind of had to sit and let it gallop ahead and hope that I could catch yep. up at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the second time I saw it, it definitely like what were some of the bits that were confusing to you?
1: It was, uh, it was specifically the relationship between Woody Harrelson and um, and Casey Affleck. That was hard for me to suss out. Okay, I, I don't know why it They're was, related. but it was difficult for me. And then, you know. Uh, It took me a couple of times watching it to figure out, all right, who's who's a police officer, who's an Iraq war vet, who's special ops, how how does that work out, um, who's working with who. It's like this Venn diagram that you kind of have to build in your head to figure out who's doing what so that that final – uh, that final beautifully, I think beautifully structured, um, action sequence where, uh, all the cops are rushing toward the, the triple nine, uh, while the homeland security thing is going on. Um, so you can figure out who's with who and why and why they're doing what and, w- and what are their motivations. So, uh, st- you know, picking out all of those things were the difficult things for me. Right. But, you know, the, the first thing, you know, prominent in my mind is 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 our our woody Hell woody harrelson's character and casey affleck's character brothers i mean they have the same last name um are they brothers w- what's the what's the deal with that i i missed that the first time through
0: yeah it's uncle nephew and, and the way that's established is when they're making fun of chris when he's partnered with anthony Mackey, they say this is so and so's nephew Um uh, oh. and then and then I think it's either before or after then we are then told Woody Harrelson's name with his character. Like I think you're supposed to. It's it's a it's a quick moment. It's easy to miss if you're not paying attention because so much. This is a very uh, like busy movie too in a good way. Yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. not necessarily presentational. Like here, look at this. Things are just happening and you're kind of there watching. Uh, And so it can be certainly easy to miss bits and pieces of of information. But it's definitely – and at one point, we presume Casey Affleck's mother is dead because Woody Harrelson is saying things about I promise this to your mother. So presumably, Woody Harrelson's sister is Casey Affleck's mom, and she's not in the picture for whatever reason. We don't know, but there's a sense of obligation he feels there. uh, And presumably, given his home life, he doesn't have a family, Woody Harrelson. And like you say, that moment where he comes to the house and picks up – his let me see his nephew's son would be sub nephew i don't know what you call that, but where <laughs> his he kind of, his great nephew i don 't know where he insinuates himself in with Teresa Palmer and the little kid and Casey Affleck, and he does right. kind of have this paternal like he's the dad like he 's a little bit of this family nugget kind of right uh, right so but yeah uh, and then of course, uh cheedly and Norman Reedus were uh Iraqi war veterans, they were Navy seals who were. Doing arms smuggling with Kate Winslet's husband, so she turns to them to get them to get him out. Uh, like yeah. she is using them, and then Norman Reedus's brother is Aaron Paul, and he presumably is the connection to Clifton Collins Jr. Uh, the, and the, the the police connection. Uh, is, although Aaron Paul is no longer a cop, though. By the way, where is Vasily being held? Is he? Uh, he's in a Russian gulag.
1: And okay, because you see the snow outside. And then he'll be transferred from the Russian Gulag to uh, to Israel.
0: Yep, and that's what the Kate Winslet needs—that information to do a, a plea deal, but some sort of a a release uh, exchange with I don't know the Russian government or whoever corrupt in Russia is running is running the Gulag to give her husband over to Israel. That's what she needs all these files okay. yeah. for. Yeah. yeah. Um, but mm. uh, so, so Kellyanne, what is the third act shark jump that, that you feel?
2: Oh, just I think by that point. Affleck's suspicions are raised and they should have just found a different cop to do the triple nine on or just done something else. Like, it seemed like by that point um, they should have just adjusted their schedule. And it seems by that point, like, I don't know, I, I have this thing where if, a, I have trouble, if I have trouble deciding whether a character's smart or dumb, it annoys me. And I couldn't <laughs> tell if Casey Affleck was... Because he seems really competent and ballsy at the beginning and then towards the end... I don't know, there's just a lot of different threads going on at the same time and maybe he just got lost. But isn't stuff.
1: that part of the motivation for Marcus's character? I mean that's important that what that Marcus is the one who has to do the the triple nine, but he has to do it for a guy who's just saved his life. And he's right, right. also a brother. I mean this is also a bro- I mean this is a brotherhood. And so he's he's so conflicted. So isn't it important that it be Chris and Marcus going through this together? I mean I, I think Casey like and
0: and I think it's also that considering how police regard each other, it's because Casey Affleck is the new guy that they're willing to sacrifice him. Uh, although wow. Clifton Collins, I love how chilling he is that moment. He says, I'll do a cop like that. And he like yeah. snaps yeah. his fingers. That's like yeah. this awesome. Like, wow, he's the super scary badass guy. Yeah, he's uh,
1: freaking great in this. I,
0: I love Clifton Collins Jr. Yeah. Uh, thing is, do you remember him from a movie called Three Preachers? Oh, yeah. With Michael Parks. Yeah, I like that guy a lot. Um, and I think he's – isn't he Michael Parks' son? come to think of it. Is he? I might be wrong about that. Uh, but I think, uh, Kelly Wan, the reason they don't switch from Casey Affleck is he's the new guy. He's like outside of the circle. He's the the cop that they have the least obligation to. Um, and you're right, but I think that's, that that it. once they realize they're being followed, uh, the fact that they still go through with killing Casey Affleck like there's a sense of desperation I think yeah that's, uh, and that comes with Kate Winslet saying okay this is gone in 24 hours you know you've got a 24-hour window to get this this doodad this MacGuffin out of this impossibly well-defended place uh and I think it's a desperation situation yeah I guess that's
2: true I guess I shouldn't be balked by that because what, Bud, what bugs me about the third act is it seems like all the characters sort of lose their caution and it's like they're all kind of throwing the game. And like Chiwetel, I don't know. He, he, that guy gets the drop on him like right after what he's been through. But like you said, it's just they're, things are winding down. They, it, they all know it's 24 hours though, except for Casey Affleck.
0: I think characters' fatal flaws in this in this movie, and it, it goes to Casey Affleck's character hmm. and specifically Lee Geoforce's character, are not understanding the depths of the corruption that they're part of. like Like not understanding the corruption around them. Uh, the lengths to which people will go, uh, overestimating the goodness of people, right? Uh, and I think these like these are cynical, these guys. Are cynical, like, right? Right? They... But I, I, you know, like uh, Truelo Geofor doesn't want to kill Aaron Paul's girlfriend. Like he know, he he's a good guy. He's trying yeah. to to minimize the damage. You know, yeah, right. and, But he's still ruthless. By the way, I love that bit with blowing up the guard's foot. Like that is yeah. really oh, grim man. stuff. And, yeah. You know we're sp- and even even when you realize he's, you know he's terrifying Aaron Paul's girlfriend, this poor innocent junkie chick, uh, you know, jumping her in the shower and holding a knife to her, like that's a mean thing to do. He's not, he's but he could not- be bluffing. Well, right, he is bluffing. He doesn't kill her, and he doesn't right. want to kill her, and he just wants to scare Aaron Paul. He doesn't want to have to kill Aaron Paul. Uh, but I think it, it, because that that's his fatal flaw. That's what gets him killed. Yeah. Is that he doesn't understand the ruthlessness that Clifton Collins is going to – the lengths he'll go to to not be caught. It's,
1: uh, not, it's not just not being caught. I mean you know his primary motivation is his son.
0: No, I'm talking about Clifton Collins. Right, oh, right, right. Clifton his primary Collins, motivation. Right. And you're right. You're right, Nicholas, His primary motivation is his son. Yeah, uh, and, and but when you think about it too, like what is going to happen to his son when Kate Winslet is dead uh, right. and his son is in Israel? In their family home, like that's.
2: There's actually, no cutaway
0: of him safe. Yeah, yeah. There's no cutaway right. of him safe, and I'm not. I don't even know. It, it's it's almost like a rash act to to kill Kate Winslet. Like she does say, "You're you're never going to see your son get away," you know. So what else is he going to do? It's kind of. But he revenge. knew she
2: was going to rip him off, and like he
0: played her. Right. Yeah. Like I don't. But then he gets played right after that. I don't mm. know if he knew or if it was like a. a a
1: backup plan a like like a like a safety yeah yeah, yeah. when she what if
2: she given the what if she kept her word and she gives the toy to the kid then the kid blows up
1: i know <laughs> no he 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 there's a timer on no he triggers the bomb with his cell phone he yeah. chooses oh, to right, do yeah. it yeah not an accident i mean he knows that he's going to do it because she's totally double crossed him she only leaves him alive because the sister would be mad at her and more importantly uh this you know it would be Basically, I think a sin against the son um, she doesn't like him she calls him monkey in the end um,
0: well she said yeah she like she would right. she, she wouldn't want to jeopardize the love that Felix the grandson feels for her right like that that again that's that weird maternal motivation I mean right. she's certainly a villain and she's evil, but she's thinking of her grandchild uh, which is it's just a weird angle, and again, it makes me think of Jackie Weaver in Animal Kingdom.
1: It's totally uh-huh. – it, that those two things line up really well, and I, I just have to say I am amazed by Kate Winslet in this. I don't know what they did with her makeup. She was almost unrecognizable to me at the beginning, and I was like, wait, what? Um, and I, I love her accent. I love what she's doing in this movie. I absolutely love what she's doing.
0: Uh- Cal- <laughs> Kelly Wand, no Wonder Woman references. I'm I'm disappointed. Oh, eh, it's just too many. That's the thing. There's <laughs> too many characters in it. It's so here, here's, what, track of. here's what I learned about myself, which I think I've known all along. Uh, I am a sucker for a good cast. Yeah. Like even if a movie is flawed, like – and I think that's what came down to me really liking the movie Morgan, which is a, a thriller thing that Ridley Scott's son did. That's getting terrible reviews. It didn't do well. Uh, but it's the cast. Like if you put a good cast in a movie like this – where I'm enjoying watching everyone in every scene. The rest of the movie can just be crap, and I'll still be into it. Uh, now, I don't think that's the case with this, but it's, it's a weird script, and it's uh, it's not a conventional story. I think it's really easy to dismiss this as a Michael Mann-alike uh, yeah. <laughs> about Atlanta, and I don't, I don't think that's what's going on. Um, but it really was the cast that, that, that made it for me, uh, and it's just an embarrassment of riches. Yeah. I don't think there's 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 no scene in this movie without someone who's just uh, just spot on and who I really like watching. Even Aaron Paul, I mean, I make jokes about him in Breaking Bad, but I, he, he's great at playing this this burned out pathetic wildered, junkie character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And Clifton Collins, who most people probably have no idea who that guy is, I love that guy.
1: Oh man, I love him so much. I loved him in a bunch of other things, but he's great in this. I think.
0: And Dingus, and I like you're the, the Norman Reed, and that, that by the way, that also reminded me of Animal Kingdom. Show yeah. you this really cool character, and then freaking kill him. And I'm oh, feeling his absence God. the rest of the movie. And
1: like, the way I, they kill him, the way they yeah. kill him off, I mean, yeah. that's just it's too backseat. Chilling. It's chilling. It's
0: the, yeah. And that's actually that's the first inkling of the movie's ruthlessness too.
1: It's not uh, just a it's not just a backseat killing because that's it. This is not a backseat killing. This is a backseat. Message and then somebody else has to kill him. I mean, yeah. it's it's brutal the way that whole thing plays out, and the and how much time it takes to play out. I, I was just on the edge of my seat for that whole thing. What are you guys going to do?
0: Now, Dingus, do you have a frame of reference for how cool Norman Reedus is? Like, I have... we, we know him from Walking Dead, and he's the he's hands down the the coolest character in that that series. Uh, but did, do you? Yeah, do you like know him from Boondock Saints or something?
1: Uh, I've seen Boudonk's Saints but I didn't really care for that movie. So, no, I have no frame of reference for him okay. whatsoever. I just thought, man, th- uh, this guy is super cool. Um, Good, that does come
0: across think, then. Because I wonder, does that come across just because we watch Walking Dead? But you did feel that about the character.
1: Yeah, I got the sense of him as the older brother. And I was trying to figure out, like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Who is this guy? Because he reminded me of a couple different people. Um, and then when he gets off, I was like, I, so it it was wasn't until I was done with the movie that I looked him up and I realized okay the uh, you know my other two friends are going to be able to talk about him I'm not going to be able to say a darn thing about him because I I don't remember anything about him but he's he's just got such a great presence to him and he's perfect for this part.
0: There's this real combination in, in Walking Dead when they first introduced the character uh, he and Michael Rooker are brothers. And they're super racist rednecks. But Michael Rooker's the one who's way over the top racist, uh, who's being antagonistic to all the other people in the group. And Norman Reedus is sort of the softening influence towards him. He's uh, the
2: mountain, and the other one's the hound, you see. <laughs> Kelly, why well, not everything is Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh.
1: Thank you for at least uh, referencing something that Darryl's I can – Daryl's
2: the Sandor, you
0: see. Well, he does have this great um, – like, like, like definitely... the Looker comes back from the dead just like uh, gregor
2: that's another similarity. okay he, what no he doesn't well yeah he comes back as a zombie uh
0: in that one episode where he died yeah uh, no okay. he comes back he'll
2: he later had. yeah he's a zombie eventually all right well. and his brother has to put him down
0: oh yeah that yeah uh, i vaguely remember that. all right all right i'm sorry i'm talking about such dumb shows yeah yeah you love walking dead apparently How's, how's yeah. Fear the Walking Dead coming for you, Kelly? I was gonna ask you.
1: Shut up. I refuse but, to talk to you. About it.
0: Ahead of me on I refuse that. to talk to me.
1: At any rate, be. the point is- One of is- the great things about this movie is, is looking back at what Vasily says, uh, about you need to scare him when, he, when he's doing the phone call. Uh, because the first time through, uh, I didn't see that as, uh, as Marmaridis is crossing the street that this, this is his, this is his death sentence um, that's silly telling her you need to send him a message and then you know Norma Reedus is the one who is the message um, and I didn't see that coming because I, I would have thought that Aaron Paul who just seemed like to, totally ineffectual we're just going to beat up this you know sad little creep uh, for the whole movie I thought he would be the first to die but when, that, when this guy gets like the bag put over his head I was like no you're kidding me this guy I don't even yeah. know who he is yet it's damn it It was it was so upsetting to me because I really liked his character. I really liked how protective he was of his brother, but how uh, stern he was. But how he seemed to be like this part of the group. Um, I really liked him. So you know, I have no other touchstone, but I really liked him as a character.
0: Well, he's kind of like the mother hen too during the the heist. You know, like talking to them and and uh, he's he's sort of like a narrator or something. But there's this very mother hen, like
1: he's herding around and telling him what
0: to do, element to it. Uh, I
1: really love the way that that works out. Oh, yeah. man, it's so well shot. Yeah. You, can somebody tell me what Open Your Mouth with the whole handkerchief thing is about in that opening sequence?
0: Oh, yeah, I don't know. Because yeah, later you do see a lipstick thing on one of the evidence walls or something. Yeah, I
1: didn't understand that
0: either. Was that just some weird trophy he was taking?
1: I didn't get it. It, it's, it was such a weird – there's a couple weird plug-ins like that that make me love the movie, but I didn't understand it. Did you guys catch the shot
0: of the woman lying on the ground being told to put her hands up who, who's wet herself? No. Man, that's a weird – I had to like that. Nice. You, there, I like that, yeah. Yeah, she's like uh. lying face down. You just put your hands up, and there's a like a wet spot around her crotch. I mean she's clearly like wet herself, and I'm like, good lord. Why? I mean it, it just makes it – it just sort of highlights the fact that – Bank robberies aren't like fun. Yahoo, everybody's having a good time. Let's uh, be outlaws. No, they're terrified. Exactly. There are people terrified that they're going to get killed, and the movie doesn't want us to think that this is a joyous yeah. fun. Like I recently saw a movie, and this is actually my uh, my under. I don't think it's as good as Triple Nine, although I did quite like it. There's, there's a movie called Hell or High Water, which is directed by uh, – Oh, no, it's written by the, folk, the fellow who wrote Sicario. It's directed by an Irish director named David McKenzie. Uh and it's got some bank robbery in it that plays it much more as a Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Uh, it's like, Charming robbers. Exactly, exactly. Mm. Uh, so the fact that you see this woman who's wed herself in, the, in this first robbery, it's like, okay, these are the stakes. This is what, what you're showing us here. Yeah. Um, uh, what about uh, – uh, do you guys know who Michael Kenneth Williams is?
1: I don't know who that guy is, no. So
0: Dingus once again, Dingus refuses <laughs> and Kelly Wan refuses to watch The Night of uh, uh yeah. Everyone's telling me to. Yeah, so, so do you guys know a show called Happen Leonard, where he's the gay fella to James Purevoise? You're talking about the, the, the pimp guy in this movie, right? Uh, he, he plays uh, like sweet pea he's a transvers-
1: Yeah, sweet pea yeah but he's yeah, yeah. he's also the pimp i mean he's he's controlling those girls
0: oh is that okay i didn't get <laughs>
1: that makes a lot more sense he's like yeah just- you guys you you two, get out of here
0: i see. And that makes a
1: lot that that this is his or her i don't know i don't know what the proper pronoun is this is her territory and okay. these are hers and and he tells them get out of here
0: well, I love that guy so much, and I yeah. love that actor. And he's uh, – in The Night of, he's just un- unforgettable. And so it was – and and I originally saw this before I'd seen The Night of or happened, Leonard. So it was really a treat to be watching this and thinking, oh my god, that's uh, Michael Kenneth Williams. I love that guy. Uh, Kelly Wand, if you'd watched Fear the Walking Dead, you would have known who Michelle Ang is, Woody Harrelson's cute little uh, Asian
1: partner. Oh, oh there's man. an Asian
0: woman in this movie? <laughs>
1: I love what she does. I love just there's a little moments during that that it's not a chase, but when everybody's just just beating feet to the to the nine nine, and she's driving, and she's just like, Ugh. I yeah. mean, just, there's a couple of great moments with her, including when she has to do research, and she's like, really okay.
0: Uh, Digga she reminds us of our 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 friend Eden. She reminded me of our friend Eden. See, oh, like yeah. she, she's got this Eden quality. That's
1: here. spot on. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, all right, um, what uh, what kind of unders and overs do you guys have? My
2: over is training day mm-hmm. because I found it easier to follow, so I decided that that was my
0: Fewer early. characters. Yeah, I only have to keep track of <laughs> one dude, and I know well, where that, he's
2: coming from. So that also, focus.
0: again, is, is something that I really like. I mean it's not easy, and this is probably why a lot of people didn't like it. it it's not easy to have a cast this large – and make all the characters relevant. Right. Right. Like like Training Day is great. It's got a laser focus on these two dudes. Um but this is you, you know there are I guess like like eight significant characters in in this and maybe four or five more ancillary characters. I mean it's like right. a big drama. It's like a yeah, it's like some weird Jacobian play or something. Uh, Yeah. I don't trust my
2: own opinion on movies where cops and robbers are both represented equally. Like I really like The Wire, but it seemed like in Heat, I always wind up liking the robber characters more and finding them more interesting than like – You don't like the Pacino guy. Well, Kelly Wan, the cops were the robbers here. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. But I always wind up – I always like – one of them always seems to prevail in my mind. Like, yeah, just follow these guys. These characters aren't as interesting. But in this one, I did like the Casey Affleck character. And I liked all the criminals.
1: One of my favorite moments, my favorite moment, like early in the movie, that moment where I think, okay, I'm now leaning forward and I think I'm going to like this movie is that moment when, uh, you know, after that opening action sequence, um, when they are walking off in the garage and somebody says, go catch the bad guys detectives. And you realize, okay, (laughs) these aren't a bunch of robbers. These guys are detectives. Yeah, and that this is just like a toss off, like like the writer just flipping us a coin to go, yeah, go catch the bad guys, detectives, and and that's how he's letting us know. Well, I those freaking those, love that.
0: Are those is that after or before the badge reveals i mean it's right in there at the same time but i'm wondering and i don't remember the first time i saw it like did i know from that line or from the badges and i don't There's remember, a line earlier
2: and i think in the first scene in the car where they go yeah he's a good cop and it's the robbers talking You're like oh what wait one of them's a cop and then you find out uh,
1: Later. So they're like, really like,
2: Wait, like- are they all cops. Yeah. Because yeah. I was like, oh, they're, they're entire. It's the entire force. They're, it's like a, it's like the shield. And there's like a. Oh,
1: you totally caught that before me then. Because the first time I even had an inkling of what was going on was go catch the, the bad guys, guy detectives. The when, when they're walking away from the, from the second vehicle they're about to torch. Um, yeah. That's the first time that I got a sense of that. By the way, Kelly, I, I, I'm sorry to say this, but turning day would be my under. As much as I love Training Day, I would put it under this. I'm crazy Training
0: Day jumps it. the shark too. Well, Training Day – I don't know about Jumping the Shark. Training Day doesn't know how to end. Training Day yeah. whips the finale. It has a fi- Russian mafia
1: like shoot him shoot up. Yeah, and It whips yeah.
0: the finale, and I don't think – I don't even mind that dingus. What I mind is that Training Day is all about Ethan Hawke's perspective.
1: Right. And
0: because he Anton Foucault wanted to shoot him up, he then breaks his own rules, and he follows Denzel Washington alone. And I think it whips the ending no. because of that. It's uh,
2: Denzel. It was Denzel Washington insisted on it. Fuqua didn't want that ending, and Denzel's like, "No,
0: we got to kill this guy off." All right, okay,
1: all right.
2: Kill my character.
1: That, that's what it annoys me about the way you know Denzel Washington gets to be um, nominated for best actor, and uh, Ethan Hawke is supporting actor, but Ethan Hawke is the protagonist of the movie, and yeah. it, that sort of annoys me that the way that that sort of but that's just like Hollywood weird right. marketing structure. Um but I I I as we got to the point where we had that whole sequence with giving the gift and, and paying off and all that with chew it all edgy for, uh at the car, I just thought, oh my gosh, this is sort of shaping up the way training day does. But I love the way that this bends it. It's not just a shoot off with Russian mafia. And I didn't see it all that like that explosion coming and i really love that so you yeah, know i would definitely put train dan in this
0: uh, i love the twiddly geo when uh he is finally just losing it and he's hoping that his son is in the car the uh, one guy has the shotgun on him he takes the guy's shotgun and then throws it at the other dude like you know, he doesn't hold the shotgun on him he's just so determined to get to the car to see if his son is in there that he takes a shotgun and rather than wield it he throws it at the other dude i just right. loved that little touch uh
1: so, and and I love the way that scene plays out where he gets shot like near the ear. Yeah. And, and the way that Kate Winslet plays that scene and just that little like shaking of her head to say, "No, you're not, you don't have to kill him." Did you guys catch what she says to him? Like she calls him a monkey, but do you
0: catch what the the wind-up to that? Cuz they do this cool thing where because his, his ears are ringing, her first line is kind of muffled. Do you guys remember what her first line was? No. We teach dogs to fuck prisoners. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I don't
0: remember that line. That's yeah, because that's where her husband is, by the way. Like, that's what she's talking about is in Russia. That's how they humiliate people they teach dogs to fuck the prisoners. And, you know, that's that,
2: what Yakov Smirnov said, too. <laughs> she's a killing one. Wait,
0: what? Uh, well, and then she well, uses that to segue into how demeaning that she
1: feels he is to her family. Uh, right, right. Uh, what that what that immediately called to mind to me was, uh, and another movie that this reminded me of, and this isn't my over under, but it's just it reminded me so much of Sicario, um, and uh, that whole weird discussion that we had in the thread about whether that was rape or not in the in the in the interrogation scene, and how that doesn't make any sense for me in the Sicario scene, but then her, her talking about the whole thing that. Training dogs to rape prisoners, it just kind of again called to mind just many of the things about Sicario that I love so much um, I think Sicario is a much better movie than this i mean i I really love this movie i, I know maybe I shouldn't say much better, but that whole weird dog rape thing that was so weird it was so weird and so creepy uh what um
0: uh uh what so the the how much of this do you uh, the so we've got a great cast, John Hillcote who – you know the road and Lawless, Forgettable, but Proposition, there's some brilliance there. Uh, and then we've got a script by this fellow named Matt Cook who dingus I presume – like this is – wait, his second thing? Uh, you pointed me towards The Duel. He also right. wrote the script for that. Do you know – does he have a – like I, I got the sense that, that
1: it, this is this guy. He's just got a couple of scripts produced, and this is his first stuff, right? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. I mean he, he – but he's also got something that I brought up either last week or the week before that I didn't know what it was called Patriot's Day. Oh, um, ew, gosh. That's in post-production. Do you know Uh, what that
0: is?
1: (laughs) I I think it's a Boston thing, but I don't know anything else.
0: So it's Peter Berg directing Mark Wahlberg in a movie about the Boston Marathon bombing. Oh, good lord. Oh, no. I don't know what to make that. And you're right. That's Matt Cook. Yeah. yeah. What's the fun part? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Although it's not. There's an older actor in it who's playing like the – commissioner or something who uh, yeah but not, yeah all right so so Dingus uh, so I, I get the sense brilliant cast I think that John Hillcoat he knows how to texture something like uh, and that he, there's just some some hands down brilliant direction here and by the way the pacing in this oh this, my God, this movie's immaculately paced yeah. Yeah, like yeah. it just it just 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 galloping forward the whole time I love the pacing uh, but then you've got the script so I sort of feel like all three things were pretty much super brilliant and super good. But Dingus, you made me watch another movie (laughs) written by Matt Cook, uh, directed by a fella who has been an actor in shark movies but who doesn't (laughs) – I don't think – it's not his strong suit directing. Dingus, why did you have me watch The Duel?
1: Uh, Because I think that The Duel – uh, provides a bit of connective tissue uh, between the proposition and this movie. Um, I think that there there are a number number of things that um, that would lead somebody to say, wait, uh, okay, you wrote this, you directed this. I think that if we put the two of you together, you could make something really good.
0: Tell, tell Kelly Wand what the duel is.
1: All right, the duel is Liam Hemsworth.
0: Oh, who I just call uh, i the whole time I'm watching that thing is I'm just wanting to call him Hunger Games.
1: <laughs> oh that's called Hunger Games, but he was also uh, really great in um uh the uh, okay. Expendables three, which Expendables
0: and then we uh, had to like sit through him in Hunger Games, yes, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: we had to sit through him in Hunger Games. Three of those, too, he's those. he's or... Thor's younger brother. Uh-huh. Um He's terrible. He looks he looks absolutely fine in a beard and it's uh Woody Harrelson just chewing scenery and doing his, his uh I I ported my accent over from No Country for Old Men or uh No Country for Old Men um his same accent but as a preacher. Um there's a lot of painful stuff in it but um Let me
0: real quick. I want to I want to Kelly Wand, here's what the script is because dingus, here's I think how you could – we could probably get Kelly Wand to watch this movie if we wanted to. Kelly Wand, what would you feel about a Western, about a preacher who goes off into the wilderness and is determined to murder Mexicans and he's a oh, snake so – like Exactly. He's like a snake-handling oh. r- religious weirdo uh, mm-hmm. and he has a cult around him and he he, he has this cult – murder. like Trump. He, he's basically selling Mexicans for sport to be murdered.
1: Well, and I just w- thought of Hard Target. I would have no context ah, sure. for Blood <laughs> Meridian.
0: Well, not just Blood Meridian Is there's a character like it. Blood, Blood Meridian isn't, isn't about uh, uh, Mexicans being sold for sport, uh, but just this, this idea of the judge in Blood Meridian, this character. I suspect Matt Cook was aware of this in, in making uh, The duel. Ah, but so Kelly Wand, a Texas Ranger, as a child, his father was murdered by this fella. And he grows up into a Texas Ranger, and the governor sends him to investigate this guy because the governor thinks, you know, we're getting pressure from uh, from Mexico about these people going missing. We need to investigate it. So the governor, having no sense of this guy's family connection, sends this Texas Ranger to investigate him. And this guy goes and he lives amongst this cult with his wife, and mm-hmm. he's trying to infiltrate it. Uh, doesn't that sound like a cool movie? He brings his wife with him to that. She yeah, she funny. insists. By the way, he doesn't want to. But she, I like cults. Come she's, on. She's a strong, powerful wife, uh, and she's she's Hispanic too, and that's part of the tension. Oh uh, right. And she does not want to be left home, so he's like, "Okay, you can come with me."
1: Uh, You're gonna need me. And guess I, what? It's Alice Braga who. Yeah. I think She's she's doing a little uh, bit of a of a Madeline Stowe kind of a feel. Yeah.
0: I actually I quite liked. I mean, I just I didn't care for the movie, but I – I, she's, a, she's easy on the eyes, said Alice Braga. Mm,
2: she, I associate her with movies that she ruins. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Trust me, Kelly. Like, I am legend. Trust she's me, Kelly. This mm. movie is ruined way before her. Like this, She has nothing to do with ruining this movie. <laughs> really? All, All right. right. So dingus, that's a cool way to sell it. Uh, and then uh, – so tell me again. So you, you saw some connective tissue. Why should someone who likes Triple Nine and The Proposition watch this? Uh, I think that I
1: think there's I think there's some really good dialogue in it. I think that Matt Cook is doing some really interesting things. Okay. I mean, it's not on the level of the kind of dialogue that you would see in uh, what's that awful uh, Western horror movie that we all liked last year? I can't remember the Blood name. Blood
3: Tomahawk.
1: Oh yeah, that. Blood Tomahawk. Really? Yep, Blood, Kelly Tomahawk.
2: One? Blood Tomahawk. Blood
1: Tomahawk. Yeah. Uh,
2: <laughs> oh, bone tomahawk! Very good. Damn it!
1: But there's a ton of stuff I like. I don't think that Liam Hemsworth can handle it, and I hate the I hate what Woody Harrelson is doing in it. Um, I really do. Um, but I really there, there's some great stuff that happens uh, near the end with the, with the idea of the duel, and also that that shootout with one of them with oh a oh my gun god and rifle. I love that so
0: much. Oh my dingus, that was that, okay. I know this is a bad word to use, but I can't help it. I really want to rescue this word because it's not used clinically to talk about disabled children. But Dingus, that shootout was retarded. (laughs) It was awful. Kelly Wan, here's the climactic shootout in the duel.
1: Oh, I love that so much. I love that shootout so much.
0: Liam Neeson – I mean uh, shoot. uh, uh, Liam Liam Hemsworth Hemsworth. is up on a cliff, like maybe a 20-foot tall cliff, and he's shooting down at a bunch of dudes.
1: With a rifle.
0: With a rifle, right, because they've they've given – Oh, thing is, I'm with you. Like, the way I describe the script, it could <laughs> be cool. I think it falls apart. But anyway, so he's shooting down at him. He's got a rifle. He's shooting down. He kills Woody Harrelson's companions, and then Woody Harrelson is behind a rock, and they're going to have a shootout, right? Woody Harrelson just decides to get up with a rifle and just walk towards the cliff, just shooting, bang, 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 walking, walking. And he walks to the bottom of the cliff, and they're doing this thing. It's almost like that police academy bit with Leslie Nielsen and a guy <laughs> on the other side of a garbage can. Liam Hemsworth is like shooting <laughs> down this twenty foot cliff at him, and he's shooting up at the twenty foot cliff and just ducking out of his line of sight. And Liam Hemsworth oh, is finally he's like, ducking. "Yeah, he's just sort of ducking out of his line of sight." And, oh, like, and and so Liam Hemsworth is finally like, "Well," and he pushes a rock over him with right? <laughs> Woody Harrelson, and that's uh, it. That's how it ends. Is he traps him under a rock? It's boy, just, I like, that. oh, it's so. It's, it's, it's and, kind the, of
1: funny. and then there's a Deus Ex Machina beyond that. Like, oh my God!
0: Uh-oh. Well, there's a little 127 hours action there. Yep. He has to cut it. Yeah. So you know, Dingus, I, I what uh, Matt Cook is trying there, I did appreciate. I just feel, and I knew this early on. When you see a movie like this, do you guys know what it's called like when you stress a prop? Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so you should, when when you shoot a movie set in the Old West, everybody shouldn't look like they're at some like. Uh, like Civil War land display, like in in modern day Arizona, <laughs> where tourists pay ten dollars to go in and watch people pretend to be cowboys. Everybody's suit is super clean. The canteens are not the least bit scuffed. The cowboy hats are neat; they haven't been like like crumpled at all. Uh, the buildings have this sort of like faux. Let's make the paint look kind of faded. Um, but it looked like an attraction, like a theme park kind of thing. Right. Uh, And that drives me crazy and also this poor guy like he didn't know how to direct. It was this presentational like TV-style shooting. Um, Just the production value kills me. When you see like somebody's canteen just completely unbattered and clean like he just got it out of the surplus store. No, stress your props, people. When you're making a Western, scuff them up. Make the clothes look dusty. You know, Woody Harrelson running around in an immaculate white suit and a top hat, like he looks like right. Johnny Depp in in an Alice in Wonderland movie.
1: I think that's by design though, because he's the he's supposed to be the you know the white preacher.
0: I would agree with you, Dingus, if everyone else didn't look like that as well. Like everybody's yeah, suit was like that. But yeah, so, I, w- I would totally
1: be okay with that. So the other mm-hmm. things about the, the 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 ways that this reminded me of uh, the proposition is that just this idea of y- you're going to get this uh, mystical figure out. Yeah. There and you're sending somebody in the the quote unquote that is going to be a brother. So it's a brother going out to get uh his brother in the proposition, and now we're sending this Texas Ranger out to get somebody in this like religious brotherhood, and he's gonna have to, you know, become part of that brotherhood. Um uh and then there's there's this also this weird thing that goes on In uh, the duel, where it's like, why, you know, where he's constantly leaving his woman. Well, he's got, he's got, he's got to do his duty. He's like, I have a job. I have to go do my duty. And that is happening in the proposition all the time. You know, I, you know, I totally forgotten that um, Emily uh, Watson Watson is in that movie and that, uh,
0: She's like his English flower, like in his garden.
1: Yeah. Right, and he and he's constantly leaving her, and she's like, "Why are you leaving me?" And and there's that same sort of that feel of that the the woman walking through town and people looking at her like, "Why are you walking through town right now?" Um, so you have that that same sort of so I I have, I have a feeling of, of of Matt Cook and John Hillcote like somebody saying, "Hey, these two can get together yeah, and do yeah. something really cool," and that and that's one of the things I really truly love about this movie, and and why I, I kind of liked watching the duel, and why I wanted to kind of make you watch. I don't, I don't think I think it's it's sort of a fledgling effort by a screenwriter, um, and certainly not a very good director.
0: Yeah, act. it's it's a, it's an actor who really wants to direct. It's that kind of thing. I got this right, space. right, right, right. My my favorite thing about the duel, uh, William Sadler's mustache.
1: Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so but William, William but... Sadler—that's who I was thinking of earlier. Yeah, yeah
0: that's but... who I mixed up with forsyth I
1: think. Yeah, that's that's exactly what happened to me. Okay. okay. Like,
2: yeah. do Williams—they're kind of similar. Jaws. uh
0: All right. So let's see. So uh Kelly Wand, your over was uh no was training day. Dingus was your under training day, or you would say that would be like.
1: No, my under training day, my so over is is and of watch. Ah, Ah, that's a good one. My overs end of watch. I, I get the same sort of feel of, of how, uh, the cop brotherhood works out, uh, but it i just i I, mean, I cannot tell you how much i love the way that whole sequence at the end is i, I mean there there are three major three major sequences in this movie that i think are just brilliantly directed um that that apartment sequence even the 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 early bank sequence and the, then the eight, the end sequence i i just think they are brilliantly directed i cannot i cannot tell you how uh, how exciting it is to sit on the end of your seat and see um this long shot of freeways with comp yeah. cars going the same way, and you just going... And and there's this great moment. This and this is one of these moments where that when we get to the end of the year and I, I label something as my best miscellaneous thingy, um, there's a moment where where uh Woody Harrelson is speeding past all of the other cop cars and he drives along the median and he dips off the median and he almost goes into the other lanes of the freeway. And all of a sudden what John Hillcoat does, or the editor does, whomever uh Alan
0: Tickner, by the way.
1: Dylan Tickner's editor, who's a familiar name. Oh, yeah, very, very – I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, All of a sudden, you hear like some elevator music from inside that car. You just hear like –
0: Oh, right, right, right. It's it's another car in the oncoming light. Yes, Dingus, that's such a weird cutaway, isn't it?
1: Yeah, 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 I forgot about that. And, and you just don't know where is he speeding to what's happening he's dipped off the freeway is he going to run into somebody and all of a sudden we go into another car and you hear this like it's
0: like it's, it's somebody else's perspective like the, right. what they would see through their windshield and you don't see the person in there it's just their POV from inside their car through the windshield right. And there's not shots like that throughout the movie this is just yep. one point where uh, Dylan Tickner and uh, John Hilcote wanted to put this in there and it's brilliant yeah
1: absolutely yeah and yeah. that's one of those moments there's like, whoa, pop. This is a movie I love. Yeah. You know? uh, so, Dylan Tickner, we know
0: from, uh, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but uh, we know him from uh, Zero Dark 30, uh, huh? There Will Be Blood, a little movie called The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, hmm. Royal, Royal Tenenbaums, Magnolia. Uh, Dylan Damn. Tickner's got a fairly short, he's only done a few movies, but he's done some amazing editing.
1: Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. 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 I'm glad you brought up The Assassination of Jesse James because I don't think we've talked
0: about Casey Affleck very much. Oh, well, I just I, – good lord. I, you guys didn't see their, The Finest Hours, which is this – it's a Disney movie about Chris Pine rescuing a, 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 a foundering uh, freighter uh, in Boston in 1920 or something. Like there's a big old storm. It's a winter storm and a ship founders on some rocks and Casey Affleck – uh, has to save them, and the way Casey Affleck plays his character it 's like an adventure movie ben Foster 's in it chris pine uh it 's like an adventure movie, and the way Casey Affleck plays his character in the finest hours uh it 's such a bold choice like he 's really soft spoken and he 's not like giving these heroic speeches he doesn 't really feel comfortable being in charge uh, i just i, I can 't imagine there was ever a time, and there was where I thought Casey Affleck was a terrible actor,
2: yeah, we all did. That was Jerry.
0: Why did – Jerry in a little movie called Lonesome Jim where he hooks up with Liv Tyler, and it makes no sense. Uh, But ever since then, god, I just have so much respect for the guy. You guys didn't really mind him chewing gum, did you? No. He's my favorite
1: Affleck, I should point out. (laughs) No. um, No, but wouldn't – By far. There's something that – we have a friend named Alexandra uh, who you just did the games podcast with, Tom, um, and she picked out specifically – uh when Josh Brolin was chewing gum in Sicario in one of the earlier scenes, like uh, all of the special ops people are are, are getting together, and she's like, well, he, he seems really obvious that he's doing that. And th- this spook crotch to her, uh, as we watched the earlier parts of this, it just feels like I've decided to make a character choice and I'm just going to chew gum, and that's it, I'm just going to chew gum. Um So it was very obvious to her, but what was all awesome to me is like, he looks huge. I mean – Yeah, yeah, yeah. What i mean used and Not him... just
0: looks huge. Like there's a shirtless scene where like, jeez, yeah, someone yeah. buffed up.
1: Yeah. Damn. Um, because like I'm, I was used to him as being the ineffectual younger brother in uh, Goodwill Hunting where he's like, I'm back in the backseat and I can't afford the burger you bought me. And I thought that he was just going to end up playing like little brother to Ben Affleck his whole life. And, and then he comes out in this and I'm like, Damn. Dude, I wonder,
0: is, is Ben Affleck jealous of how good Casey Affleck is? Do you think he's
1: got to be because he's such a fucking good actor. <laughs> my God, Casey Affleck is so fucking good. Just he can sit there and click on click on him, click on a mouse. And I'm like, damn, this guy is Very, so yeah. good. <laughs> and, and when he's when he's approaching before he does that headshot, uh, you know, behind oh when he's God. behind yeah. Anthony Mack and he's like just so careful. And he's behind and behind and behind and, that whole. Oh my god. He's so freaking good. I love it's not,
0: I love what you find out is he's not going to try to arrest the guy. He's maneuvering into place to take the guy out because he realizes, okay, we've gone past the point of apprehension. Yeah. Like he yeah. is lining up a headshot. And what I also like, and this is, you know, god damn John Hillcoat and his texturing. That headshot, <laughs> normally the headshot would be there's the actor, and then behind the actor a blood squib throws uh, mm-hmm. uh, blood on the wall. And and that would be it, and the guy slumps down, and that's a, that's a headshot directed. It's grim. It's gruesome. Hillcoat does that, plus he puts a bullet hole in the wall in the middle of the splotch, and then he shows a smoke coming out of the guy's mouth. What is up with that smoke coming out of that guy's mouth? Oh, my God. I think it's just that the, the gunshot was so close or something
1: like that. It was literally like – Like he the, shot him through his jaw, and the discharge of the smoke goes into his mouth because that shot. Yeah, my God, Tom. Tom. But just – yeah, just texture like that. I mean Hillcoat
0: <sighs> the fact that – you could just do get away with the squib, but nope – he does those two other little touches, which – yeah. All right, so my over, and I, I, I feel like I'm bracketing. My, my under is Hell or High Water, which is quite good. uh, Way more flawed, I think, than this, but Hell or High Water has some great bits. Uh, And my over is actually No Country for Old Men, which I feel that this kind huh. of closely bumps up against. I mean yeah. – no Country for Old Men is one of the Coen brothers' best movies. It's distinct. It's I love how it really does get uh, Cormac McCarthy's existentialism in, in the context of this like crime thriller. Uh, and I feel there's some of that in Triple Nine. Just this nihilistic, ruthless, brutal. Everybody dies except the one guy who's completely clueless and has no idea what was going on around him. Uh, I, I love the bleakness of that. So uh, those are my over and unders. Dingus, your overs end of watch. Your unders yeah. training day. Kelly Wan, you think this is not quite as good as Training Day. What's a movie that you think it is better than?
2: <clears throat> well, my under is heat, because there's uh there's too many characters in that movie. Mm-hmm. And also, um in Bangkok, Triple Nine's the price. One, two, three, not only you and me got one eighty
0: what can you get for that price kelly Wand? oh half a henway she knows what she's <laughs> doing but if they're right from
2: the farm you got a train.
0: uh all right dingus this is your three by three i That's hope something. i did this right what what are we doing this week for a three by three
1: uh, there's there's no way to, I think to do this wrong because I I really didn't make it explicit enough, um, so I'm uh, I don't think you guys are going to be in too much trouble. I, I, rather than a cop, I, I think I'm going to be probably more of a security guard.
0: Thing is um, just to paraphrase, just to paraphrase Jurassic Park, Kelly Wand always finds a way. Very mm, good. No, mine so, are awesome.
1: Okay. So this is your, your favorite uh, scenes and instances of mo- in movies of inventory and storage.
0: Oh, I didn't do it right. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kelly Wad, you're introducing next week's topic, so you have to go first. What's the first one that you did wrong?
2: My number three, and I bet this is on everybody's list, is, of course, the classic uh, Rage of the Lost Ark ending. Because I really oh, thought – Oh,
0: storage. Very good. Wait, which one – Yeah.
2: Where the you know, the last shot of the movie is where they lose the ark in that giant army warehouse I really thought that was one of the best movie endings ever, and it's the only one of the, Ra- of the Raiders movies with a really interesting, unpredictable ending that's, like, way too cool for the pulp stuff that it's supposed to be doing on Mosh. Like, the- those pulp movies didn't end with awesome endings like that.
0: I remember yeah. being really confused by that as a kid.
1: Like me I did, not understand. But then what I went, oh, uh,
0: it grew on me. Yeah, because I was like, wait, so he failed?
4: What yeah, yeah, fuck? yeah, right, Why right. Why does right. he
0: do something? Wait, he has to go
2: steal it from there now in the sequel? What? <laughs>
1: But every adult in
0: in the audience.
1: I'd be interested in hearing what your individual confusions were because I had a weird confusion, I think.
0: I just remember I just, not understanding it. Like, wait, what am I supposed to make of this? Like, yeah, it. why Did he not save Is this a good thing or a bad thing? He seems a are little bit... After the war... Yeah he, yeah, he doesn't seem super happy about it. What? What? Was
2: that, that, are they setting up the sequel? And like, every adult I sat with went, no, no, that's just, a, you know, the army loses it. That's just, a, that's the ending of the movie. You'll never see the arc again. Like, they all got it. Like, the adults had to explain it. Like, no, that's just a really cool ending. See, because... Like well,
0: that went ah uh-uh. like well, it instantly played. Yeah. Well, what was your confusion, Um, uh,
1: My confusion when when I first saw it was that um, I had this I had this weird thought that the government had created this enormous warehouse um, and put all of <laughs> these boxes this, in, right, <laughs> uh, including the one that was numbered, you know, nine nine zero six seven five three. Uh, and this is how they 're hiding the ark in this enormous warehouse that they yes, have created with all of these different then it, it really is top men hiding this thing that they have no right. idea how to deal with ah. and as a kid, when I saw that, I thought, did they create this whole thing, or is this are all of these all of these boxes because when you watch it, and I watched it again this week just to watch that because I love that final sequence um, there 's the way he shoots it and the way it 's Designed. There's so many boxes. So I, I think it's more interesting to think that, maybe, you know, the, the government has found tons and tons and tons of these things, and they're all like packing them into here. It's all
2: stuff Indiana Jones has gotten for them. Since the- <laughs>
1: <laughs> but but one of my one of my questions as a romance. kid was was uh, has is this all just a place where they're hiding the ark and all of these things are empty? And it it's just this big thing, and you would have to find the arc within all of these boxes.
0: Just how how do the other movies end?
2: Because I'm not – is that – With shit. Fucking shit. The second one, uh, an elephant sprays Harrison Ford and Kate Capsule while they kiss. Oh, yeah, that but, and they and Raiders.
1: That's a great ending because you can see them flinch before the elephant squirts them. Or they're
2: kissing, and they're that's flinching from that. That's wacky. <laughs>
1: How does the good
0: third movie end?
2: The one they ride into the sunset with Sean Connery Ew. and Paul. Yeah, it's riding Cale. off yeah, into the sunset. Yeah, it's a guy. Ending. It's kind of not. That's actually not a bad ending. And then the fourth one, uh, he takes his hat from Shia LaBeouf. But I remember thinking when I in Crystal Skull, the second it started, and I went, "Wait, the army's the good guys in this? These are the fucking idiots who lost the ark." In the, in the <laughs> Spielberg's too old to be doing this now, obviously, because now we get to see army guys shot off-screen delicately. I don't know.
0: Uh, just remember, Kelly Wan, nobody died in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. No cops Stop. chasing Stop. UFOs got killed. Nope, they're fine. I
2: think Barry's a clone, too. He's not he, – they replaced him. Who's a clone?
0: Barry, that kid. No, so everybody that the, the aliens let loose are clones at the end of the movie.
2: Yeah, because that's – because at the beginning – Barry wants nothing to do with his mom. He'd rather hang out with the aliens. He thinks she sucks. And then at the end, he's, like, happy to see her. And then
0: she's like, oh, great. And all the, like, kidnapped pilots, like, they're all, they're all. They don't seem that happy to be back. They're a little they're confused. Like, they do seem confused, yeah. Clark Stinkwell, night 42. <laughs> they just say stuff like that.
2: They seem kind of sad they're back. Or has it just been, like, a day for them? But even, it's weird that when they come out of the oh they scene, haven't aged yeah it's got they haven't aged so they haven't aged but it's it's interesting that they they're not happy looking but it's supposed to be this joyous scene but you don't feel it because they I act like robots they're just bewildered and it's been so soon like they haven't been gone that that's long weird. they don't yeah. and and Richard Dreyfus is leaving his family he's totally stoked about going into a giant light that's great yeah, I
0: that's, don't know
2: Terry Gar sure is cute I don't know why that's what I'm saying he could have brought her along he tried to. She just got scared by the poo sculpture.
0: It's <laughs> not poo. There's no poo sculpture. I do remember. A, did I mention this? I do remember in the novelization. Uh, he sees the the devil's tower shape in her breast. Really? That's yep. pretty awesome. Yep. So they took it to a pillow for to be lame. She's laying naked in bed,
2: and he sees that he sees that shape. And, and, oh, that's so hot. Yeah. That would. And then. All right. So mine would have been if he sees in her poo. breast. Yeah. Oh, well, one of them,
1: at least. Oh, in her breast. Okay. Because yeah. you
0: know it's that it's that shape. I mean, I don't know what if, if she got maybe that is kind There's of an no odd ch- shape for a breast. But
1: he's. Seen, I mean, are you talking about nipple or are you talking about? It's not. A I, don't, I
0: don't remember. Chair. I just remember as a kid. I mean, I wasn't acquainted with breasts at that age, so I probably didn't understand. But you knew they existed. I did know they existed,
1: <laughs> um,
2: but I just I wasn't I,
1: acquainted with breasts at that stage. I was not.
2: Uh, but if he's sitting mm-hmm. in the toilet bowl and that spooky music's playing while he looks at his poo. Wait, what?
0: Why are you? What's up? What's with the poo? Kelly Wan, Play. Spielberg doesn't do poo. <laughs> uh, All right. That's how planes communicate, Tom? My yes. What is your number three? My third favorite. I'm going to give you guys lines from these and see if you can guess what they are. I'm afraid at least one of them might get stolen. I don't think of these. Okay, here we go. I'm going to give you guys a line. If you call for help, it voids the dare. Take your top off. What? I don't make up the rules. Super bad? No. Okay, really I'll, give, right I'll give you guys another line. Ready? Oh, man, I'm so sorry. He had the conch in his hands. I'm never going to see a merman, ever. Oh, wow. <laughs> really? Cabin oh, in the Woods? Yeah. 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 So if you guys remember, the basement is littered with stuff like they get lured to the basement and the trappings of the basement are all depending on which one they respond to first it's going to determine what horror movie they're going to be in and it's this basement full of like weird stuff like there's a a mechanical fortune teller from a carnival like the thing that turned tom hanks into an adult there's this a wedding dress with a freaky locket there's the seashell that (laughs) chris uh Hemsworth picks up. There's there's a jewelry box with so a ballerina. Uh, Franz Kranz is looking at these uh, these old film reels. Uh, there's a an ornate puzzle sphere, and Kristen Connolly picks up this old diary, and she's the one who starts reading it first. But Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon have this scene where all of them are starting to work their way towards invoking or triggering or using. One of these little it's a race. things. Yeah, it, well, it's not a race. It's super slow. It's like, well, it is. Yeah, it's like which one of is going to happen to do it first? Mm. And it's Kristen Connolly reading the lines out she of the, the diary. She wins, and cool. it it becomes the Bruckner family, the zombie redneck torture uh, killer things who become <laughs> the devices for for this horror movie. Um,
1: but I did but Chris, if you do it first you survive. It's very Ghostbusters, yeah.
0: And there, there's also great storage stuff where they get into the base at the end and all the nightmares being stored in this weird interdimensional like storage cube stuff. Um, right. But specifically, I love that idea of the basement having all these little trappings and each one will lead to a different horror movie and which one of them is going to get there first and accidentally trigger it. And the yeah. monsters are in storage too. Right, that's what I meant. At the very end, is they find them oh, with yeah, those yeah. little cubes, yeah. Uh, and it's so funny, Chris. I, I forget Chris Hemsworth is just so perfect as a big old douchebag jock. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, you know, he's so ennobled as Thor, and sure, whatever, that's fine. But he's so hilarious in uh, uh, Cabin in the Woods. He's picking up a sea ho- a seashell. He's gonna blow on it yeah. like who in there would just pick up a seashell? To... <laughs> he's such a doofus. Well,
2: uh, there's there's jokes where he's like he says after the dumb spray hits them, they're like, Wait, you're a physics major, you would know that. To Fran
0: Kranz? What, oh oh to, to to Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Oh right, because right, he's like a jock, but he's supposed to be super smart. Yeah, he's a smart right, jock. right. Yeah, and then early on, like he shows up and there's something with the textbooks or something that established. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, he gets killed. Ha ha. <laughs> he's trying he's to jump the boat. Yep, suck yeah.
2: it, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. He's a smock. Just like Ghostbusters. Yep.
0: I did like that line, that line in Ghostbusters where uh, he's looking at the fish. He's like, an aquarium is like a submarine for fish. That's my favorite line in that movie. That is, yeah. I wish Kate McKinnon had that line. No. <laughs> Why, Dingus? Why do you want Kate McKinnon to not
1: get the best lines in Ghostbusters? Because she's Cause
2: Spider-Man. Because
1: she, she doesn't know how to interact with phones. And he does. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Wait, was that a it's... gag? Oh, no, he doesn't know. Yeah, he, can't,
1: he can't interact with us.
0: <laughs> well, Dingus, what's your third favorite example of storage or inventory in a movie?
1: All right. Here's, the, here's a, here's a two-line log. Go ahead, Kelly.
0: I thought my number two was first. Uh, Dingus has to do his number three. Well, your sorry. number
1: three was first. Uh, number oh,
0: I might have gotten the number wrong, but Dingus, your third favorite All right, favorite Sorry, example. sorry. Nope, that's fine. No, nope, keep me on task. I need to. Yeah. If I screw up the math, Kelly Wanda, I need you to be here for me.
1: Alright, so here's a bit of dialogue it. from it. Uh, what's all this stuff? Food. This is food.
3: <laughs> I, I hate your quote. Uh,
1: <laughs> You're going to hate the movie, too, because I don't like Scarlet so Green. Oh. But I, I love this, uh, this bit of stuff. Piranha? Script. It is not from Piranha. It's so from it's the movie... Piranha stuff, it's right? from another John Hillcoat movie called The Road, um, which is really painful to watch again. Um for a number of reasons.
0: Cody Smith mcphee dingus, come on.
1: Yeah. Cody. That's the dawn of his career.
0: He's the poor man's Chloe Grace Moretz. Cody I I think he's the poor man's Ace of Butterfield.
1: Ew. Uh. Yeah, I think I think Tom is actually right about that. Oh. Um but there's this whole father-son thing that it's going on in this movie, of course, cuz it's The Road. And I think there's a father-son thing going on, of course, in. um what movie did we see? Triple nine, uh, which is another thing that I love about triple nine and, and why it really pulls on my heartstrings. I mean, I love the movie because I think it's really well put together but the father son thing. Kind of, uh, it grabs me in a different way. Um, the father son thing in the road, which, uh, affects me much more strongly reading the book than watching the movie still affects me during the movie. And I kept waiting for this moment in the movie. And it's when, they uncover this, uh, this store of food. Uh, and, um, you know, it's, they, they've gone through so many different things. Uh, and you know, we did this movie for the podcast. Not, I don't think any of us liked it. Um, and I can understand why watching it again this week, but just that finding that cache of food and having almost a different movie go on within the movie where the two of them get to go down and almost take a break. It's like a break. Within the movie, uh, you know where where he's actually feeding him food and heating up food for him. They're ha- they're having meals together, um, but I love that store that somebody put this there and and then and and unfortunately, I think they get the the saying grace thing totally wrong. Uh, but you know, Cody's McPhee's character says, you know, we should thank somebody for this. Well, let's thank them, and but it should be. Uh, it should be Viggo Mortensen's character saying things first to teach him how to do so. But it's really just them after all of these years saying thanks to the people who left this food there in the storage of all of these cans. And this, this gets to the, to what, um, inspired me to write this down as a topic idea in the first place. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you that during our, uh, runners-up I don't want to ruin anybody's or I don't know what our listeners are choosing or what you guys are choosing but I'll bring this up again why in, it inspired me but I I did you know watch this movie again just to kind of get an idea of what John Halecoat was doing um, but I do love the way all those cans are there and the, all the Timor stew and all the peaches and everything Um so just that that weird underground storage in the road.
0: Right. Kelly one now it's time for your number
2: 2. Okay. Mine's from another movie that we didn't like. But I mean that movie Oculus. <laughs> oh. There's yeah. in the in the beginning the the sister goes into storage and there's this really cool part where like the statues. Or oh the statue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's oh. a, yeah, and then an extra statue materializes.
1: Oh, it's where it's she sort of, finds the mirror.
2: Yeah. I really like that extra statue. That's fuck creepy. The one that so moves head its head, head
1: kind of? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's and I'd
2: go, you know what? Just stay in storage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so, Good to know my investments are uh, accruing without me doing anything.
0: It's great that you're standing up for
2: Brenton Thwaites' movies, Kelly Warren. <laughs> <What> <laughs> that's a takes... really good shot. I mean it's kind of like in The Others where there's the sheets in that one room. I'm i have kind of an other topologist too.
0: That's the only sense you get. That the, the, the guy who directed that is Mike Flanagan. Oculus. And he did, yeah, he did this movie called Abstentia, which we all like. But I think that's the only sense you get in Oculus that, hey, he's this kind of cool horror director. And then the rest of the movie happens.
2: Yeah. yeah. Then she's all like, okay, here's where we're going to destroy the mirror. Bottled
0: water. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh, he did a movie recently called Hush. Uh, do you guys know about this? I watched it. Oh, I kind of liked Hush. But I think, I, yeah. I think it was a lot of the script and the lead actress who actually co-wrote the script with him. Oh, yeah. I don't why I liked it. Did you like it? Uh-huh. It's yeah. like um, that Audrey Hepburn movie. Yeah, Wait Until Dark. Yeah. Right. It's Excellent. like what Don't Breathe should have been, uh, except... Yeah, they screwed that up. Uh, I love the bit. Dingus, uh, this won't ruin it for you because you're not going to see this anyway,
1: and you don't even do horror movies. But one of my favorite things about Hush – Well, you you showed me, I think, part of it, like like an opening moment in it. But I think John Gallagher is in it, isn't he?
0: Yeah, 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 exactly, because he's the the guy who we really uh-huh. like in um, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane in Short Term 12.
1: Short Term 12, yeah.
0: Yeah, and he's the bad guy in this, and there's a great scene – and I love that this is in the script, and this is one of my favorite bits of its writing. There's a scene where the, the bad guy, John Gallagher, who's, you know, he's, he's a fit enough fella, but uh, he's, he's stalking someone, he's gonna kill her, he's an evil dude, uh, and someone's boyfriend, a big old beefy guy, comes along, and in any other horror movie, he would just dispatch that guy. And that would be it, and he would go on stalking the the heroin. Uh, but no, there's a, he, like he realizes, oh my god, this guy's much bigger than me. He's going to kick my ass if I don't get the drop on him. And there's this great cat and mouse between them, where you're like, does the boyfriend know he's a bad guy? He's and, suspicious. Yeah, he's suspicious, and John Gallagher he's knows not that he can't take the guy. And he's not this like superhuman killer who's going to conveniently kill anyone who comes along. He's a guy who knows he can get his ass kicked by this other fellow. I love that little bit in Hush. Yeah. Yeah. And it's
2: making him a little nervous because his story is totally all over the map. Yeah, yeah.
0: But then Mike Flanagan goes on and he does this horrible movie with Thomas Jane and Kate Hudson called Before I Oh no, Kate Bosworth. Called Before I Wake, where they are uh haunted by butterflies.
4: <laughs>
0: yep. If oh, you're if you're terrified of butterflies before I wake, it's uh, a movie you should see. Huh. Don't see it, that's what I'm getting at. They are fast. Yeah. But the Nets... No, they're not. They're just, like all over the place. They're, just, they're erratic. They're not fast. They're erratic. That's right. true. Yeah. In a, in a comic strip, you have a dotted line, and it's curly-queuing all over the place, and that's the path that a butterfly takes, right? <laughs> you wouldn't know if it was a zombie or not, because it would fly the same. No, zombies go straight, Kelly Wan. They just go straight at what they're, what they're hungry for. What's the matter with No, they have, well, if they have a broken ankle. That's true. Good point. Then it would veer to the left or the right, depending on which ankle's broken. Fair enough.
1: So is the prequel c- Cocoon...
0: <laughs> i've never seen cocoon should i <laughs> <laughs> really you <laughs> dodged both of them or
2: did you, did you go see the second one no i've never it's seen how
0: it ends i've actually confused cocoon and splash for some reason don't they both feature like things in a swimming pool they're both ron howard and they're both blue ah that's it <clears throat> and
2: they're both kind of dumb
0: yeah well, um, let me tell you guys about my second favorite example of storage or inventory in a movie, and I'm going to give you guys a line, and I'm going to be pretty irked if you guys don't get this because I think you guys still haven't seen it because you're both jerks. Here's the line. Irked and jerks. <laughs> Here's the line. You're not going to become a Nazi. I promise you. Alien? No. No. So in the Dingus, you might, Valkyrie. did you ever get around to seeing Wild Dingus? No. Oh my God! You guys are both fired off of this podcast. Hap's pupil. No, it's Wild. Oh,
1: <laughs> keep guessing, Kelly. Uh,
0: so uh, Reese Witherspoon uh, plays a woman who hiked not the Appalachian Trail, but one of those long trails that's really hard to hike, uh, and she's really ill-equipped for it at the beginning. And the story it, it's by uh, the fellow who did Dallas Buyers Club. And, oh shoot, he did something recently that I don't think we liked. Oh, oh, Demolition. He did Demolition recently. Uh, but before Demolition and after Dallas Buyers Club, he did Wild with Reese Witherspoon. Uh, and I think the direction's really good. Reese Witherspoon is just fantastic in it. I love how she's willing to not be glamorous, and she just looks so bedraggled in so much of it. But it's about a woman going on this, this long hike slash lifestyle change that she's ill-equipped for. And partway through, she gets to a kind of a way station, a camp, where people gather and they pick up their mail because you're doing this for days at a time. uh, And they can take a hot shower. And she's got this huge backpack with her through most of the movie and it's just even bigger than her in the early parts of the movie it's kind of cute slash sad seeing her struggle to put on this thing that's even bigger than her and hike along and there's a great scene where cliff DeYoung, who is a character actor who's been around forever uh and he just looks so grizzled and avuncular in this movie he's kind of the cook at this way station where all these hikers come through and he sees her struggling with it and he's like you know what can i can i help you and I think I used this for like something like words of wisdom, but yeah, I know yeah. I've used this in a three-by-three. Three. But he has her unpack everything in her backpack, and he says, I tell you what, I'm going to go through this, and I'm going to pick out something. And if you can't explain to me why you need it, we're going to put it in, in what he calls the free box, which is stuff gets thrown in there, and <laughs> can take it. And so it's this great scene where he's going through, and he's holding things up, and she's basically conceding, okay, I guess I didn't need that. Uh, or, oh, I don't know what I was thinking. Uh and it's he's just like teaching her a fundamental lesson on a trip like this. And it's basically kind of a life lesson too, like don't carry so much crap, it's just going to weigh you down. Uh, it's kind of the point of the movie. The movie's not quite that facile, but it's just in the in a microcosm that's kind of what wild is about. And I I love that little scene. I love Cliff Young in that. Uh and Reese Witherspoon is just so cute. When he, uh, and So the, the bit about don't worry, you're not going to become a Nazi, she's bringing all these books because the, Cheryl Strainer, the woman who it's about, is a, is a writer. and She obviously reads. Uh, so she brings all these books with her and he says to her, uh, have you been burning your books? And she says, No, why would I burn my books? He says, Don't worry, you're not gonna become a Nazi, I promise you. But what you should do is, is after
1: you've <laughs> oh, that quote makes so much more sense now. That's great.
0: Exactly right. And it says, after you've read something, is burn that part. There's no reason for you to be carrying it around. And he picks up her guide, the little guidebook that she's got, and he's like, Okay, everything before this point, and he rips it in half and just throws away the other half. Uh, and what she does, and I love this, you would appreciate this, Kelly Wand. Uh, he's then taken some of her other books that she's already read, and she takes back from him, she refuses to let him burn uh, this and I actually recognize it because uh, I have a copy of this. Uh, the fireman? No, that could be burned many times over. <laughs> Let's see, uh, but she will not let him burn the complete works of Flannery O'Connor. Ah, she, good. Yeah. Well, a good book is hard to find. Nice, Kelly Wand. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, is that the one where Reese Witherscute is handcuffed to Selma Hayek? Uh
0: that's not Selma Hayek. That's uh oh shoot. The the Sophia modern of family chick, Vi- Sophia Vergara, yeah. Sophia Viagra, not yeah. just handcuffed Kelly Wand, face-to-face straddling while uh, she's driving a bus.
2: Face to face in Bangkok's extra. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Kelly Wand, speaking of extra, what is your second favorite example? No, it's
1: Dingus' number two. Yeah, Dingus, what is your
0: second favorite example? See? Of storage or uh, inventory.
1: Unfortunately, I'm going <laughs> to annoy you about books a little bit more. Uh, I'm going to super annoy you because it's something from Seinfeld. Um, because there's this this whole thing about George wanting to get his books back from somebody and, um, and Jerry just can't figure out why do you want your books back? Um, it, like they're trophies or something. Like you've read them, right? And he's like, yeah, but they're my books. I want to put them. Over. But you've already read them. And, he, and Jerry's point is like, once you've read it, why do you need it? Uh, and so that whole thing that you're talking about, this guy telling her you're not going to become a Nazi, you can just burn these things, it totally reminds me of this moment in Seinfeld, which is obviously in a much more goofy way saying, you know, these aren't trophies. Once you've read it, why do you need it?
0: See, but you know better than that. Ste- Seinfeld is just showing himself to be the putz that he is yeah. because books have character after you have read them, Seinfeld. If Seinfeld would read a book, he might realize this.
1: If he yeah. wasn't just like
0: sitting around scribbling his trite little observations about people to do his stand-up comedy routine with, he might realize that books have value after you've read them. Who is I, this person? Who is this person?
1: I mean I keep books. I, I mean I, I cherish books as well, um, but I do love that idea of – uh, it's not a trophy. Oh, the cover's well, cool. Once you've read it, why do you need it?
0: Well, the, the thing there is, uh, I love like uh, letting people have books that I've read, and I would love reading books that people have owned. Like I prefer that. That's kind of one of the cool things about the library. It's like, oh, other people read this book, and I'm reading yeah, it too. And... You're
2: taking the same journey they took.
0: Yeah, it's a little communal aspect to it, and it's not. You remember where you were when you read it, and. Yeah. then There'll be like a line that'll s- stick with you for. I will a never forget reading the Fireman because you sent it to me, Kelly Wanda. Yeah. yeah, I send you a lot of cool shit. All 900 pages of the Fireman. Boy, that, that Nathan Ballingrud though, let me tell you, what, I, you that more that makes up for Fireman like ten times over. <laughs> I knew it would. Well, that, I felt the yeah. That guy's felt, awesome, and I'm not the least bit surprised that it's it's by way of Laird Barron. There's a new Laird Barron coming out. in <gasps> you know,
2: Like a couple weeks about Alaska. Short stories, yeah, it's horror, but there's an Alaska theme. Alaska horror.
0: I've been reading a lot about. um, There are these. There's a a press called Chaosium, and they they specialize in Lovecraft-oriented stuff. Uh, They organize short stories by what weird Lovecraftian god they're about. And I've been reading this uh, – it's called Itzaqua. The Ith- Ithakwa Cycle, yeah. And it's mm. all these short stories that uh, – there's only like one Lovecraft in there. Ithakwa is so peripheral to Lovecraft, by the way. Uh, yeah. There's this stuff in there by like uh, August Durlith, uh, who I've never read before. Um, and who's the other mm. guy? Shoot a monkey. Um, but there's all these other Lovecraftian writers who I hadn't been familiar with before. Uh, and it's great seeing them sort of – Ithakwa was the windwalker, huh? Exactly, yep, yep. Uh, but I get it mixed up with Sothagwa. It's just kind of he's a, a he's a frog. Sothagua yeah. is a frog, yeah. It the yeah. the windwalker and uh he sort of ties into this windigo idea. There's a great Larry Fessenden movie called The Windigo, which I really like. Uh so at any rate, Laird Barron doing horror about Alaska. And that reminds me, of course, of that crevice short story mm-hmm. in Bollingrid.
2: Yeah. Huh, but, dingus.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is not a books podcast, Dingus. What are we yeah. why are you letting us do Please, this? Stop dragging us down. Jeez, Dingus. I, I totally I
1: apologize. It's... Let me tell you guys my second choice for uh, storage. We hope here's, it has
0: books involved. Here's yeah, a
1: in quote Alaska. from it. it. No, books are far from this movie. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think there's any space in this guy's house for books, as, hmm. far as I can remember.
0: Ew, it's a terrible yeah. house.
1: Well, there's it's plenty of like space, but I, I don't think it oh, takes right. up. I don't think any books take up any space. All right, so here's a quote from it. It's not what you did; it's who you did it to.
0: Man, that could apply to pretty much any movie. Yeah, it could. Behind the green so, door.
1: No, this is um, this is from the movie John Wick, and so the storage <laughs> would be. He's got plenty uh, of room for books. He yeah. does have it, plenty of room for it's books. It's a nice, airy, sunny house. Yeah, it's a beautiful house, uh, but it's one of those uh, impossible houses where everything is like like these people own nothing but a few pieces of furniture. <laughs> Yeah, uh, a bowl with a little piece of fruit and a dog that isn't getting fed other than a bowl of cereal. Um so, they don't have bookshelves. There's just things that, there's just glass things that you can break when the hitmen come. uh but the storage is of course, uh, where he keeps his, uh, his coins. I'm not quite sure what they're called. Um, those, those coins that he uses for everything and where he keeps his weapons under the basement, uh, under cement that he has to break into. And I love that storage. I think other people have talked about it. I think you know somebody might have talked about it when you know we talked about the acquiring weapons thing, which I which I don't think fulfills your requirements for that, Tom. But I love this as far as storage.
0: Yeah, he has to get out like a sledgehammer and get in there. He's got to do a demolition, of what Jake Gyllenhaal did to his whole house. He's got to do that on the floor
1: to get to his weapons. Yeah, he's, and he's doing that while the guy, the the Russian mob boss, is talking about. His, you know, his unbelievable will, uh, uh, you know of, uh, you know this the, uh the uh, the uh, the boogeyman, not the boogeyman, but the guy who would go after the boogeyman, um, and as, and as that whole sequence, and I love the way that is edited, that that Keanu Reeves is just hammering away at the floor, and then he opens it up, and it's this beautiful case with these guns and all of these coins, 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 um. I love that storage facility. It's just a little as a storage he's created, and he's paved it over himself. But yeah,
0: you know who just, else? Are all, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you know who else is pretty handy with a sledgehammer? Bruce Wayne. Batman. Yeah, yeah, with a tire and a sledgehammer. That's how you work out when you're Batman. Oh, good <laughs> It's true. Dingus. It's in the movie. It's true. Well, he just hates tires. <laughs> 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 Where are we? Are we, do, yeah. We're Yeah, we at Kelly Wan's number one. Kelly Wan, what is your favorite example of storage in a movie? Or inventory?
2: Hey, I was going to say John Wick cares about all his possessions except for his floor.
0: He doesn't care about his possessions. His whole house gets trashed. He doesn't care.
2: Yeah, but he, he has the cool storage space for the guns. He cares about his car and his dog. Yeah, but not enough. My number one is, maybe this is kind of dumb after Cabin in the Woods... But in The Matrix, <laughs> I love that the, the twist of the movie is that we're in
0: storage. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, could, what storage is in The Matrix besides like the people in the pods? Yeah, yeah, no, right. And I was like, oh, that's genius. And then
2: it's the last cool thing that happens in The Matrix. In
0: my what? Life.
2: Wait, what? It's the last cool twist. Well, I thought when that happened, like, oh, it's going to be twist. It's a plot twisty movie. It's not just
0: Kung Fu and... Um, you didn't think it was like it, cool when he trains with uh, with Lawrence Fishburne yeah but it wasn't a, I'm, saying it was,
2: I'm saying it was the last cool twist like there's no twists in the Matrix that's a tough twist time. to follow though I mean that's
0: yeah
1: yeah
2: I know but I was kind of hoping that it would just ramp up like, so
1: I if wondered it just, if, it's if, if people were going to like uh, choose things like computer storage because I didn't think of that when I said the topic I think I really should have narrowed it more but I think that the storage you're talking about is kind of basically computer storage.
3: No, but
2: we're but if you think about what a storage like facility is and it has units with stuff in it, like that's what the matrix is. Yeah, like or, or when he wakes up and he sees that he's in storage, like that's not, you know, he's like the um
0: he's the heirloom. <laughs> it's a battery. I mean, they're literally batteries. That's the idea is that yeah,
1: they're using something yeah, the you would call battery storage. I mean, but it's anymore. the bodies call too. Cows being milk storing the bodage. Almost sounds like Kelly Wan's maybe getting arrested. Yeah, you if you know they're not be, he's not being stored. He's being used.
0: Aha, uh-huh, Kelly Wan, what do you have to say about that? He's being stored there. He's like in the drawer, <laughs> oh, no, like a battery. He's a battery. If he's a you
1: battery you're not using it.
0: I, like yeah, aren't they aren't they bleeding electricity off of everyone?
1: Yeah, that's the whole point. They're not being stored any more than the distributor in your car is is being stored, or the battery in your car is being stored. Well,
2: let me ask you this: what are they what are they using the electricity on? Nothing. So they're just harvesting. They're using the
1: electricity to power the world. To kidding? power
0: themselves, they're robots. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's
2: yeah. Yeah. So storage. we're storing. No, it's like we're storing. Uh chlorophyll when we reproduce no
1: plants <laughs> <Of course. laughs> uh, yeah you're thinking about fat i mean if you want to talk about fat as storage if the matrix were about like fat to be fair like the thing is Austin powers the matrix
0: we don't know if everybody is like being drawn from or if like they they have some like if some of them are like batteries in a drawer like are all of them being drawn he's on from?
1: reserve yeah because as soon as he they they immediately respond when that happens
0: but we don't know if there are other people. Like maybe they're keeping in some of those other tanks or whatever. Maybe some of them are storage and not utilization. We don't know. Right. Who knows what's going on in the brain like of the, of the, the AI attorney
1: right now? I am. I am. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. If, if I am. Yes.
1: I disagree with this. I don't think that's storage.
0: Dingus. If the plot twist fits, you must acquit.
1: Any more than having batteries that a whole server farm with power enough. Uh, Kelly.
2: Wait. Hold on. I just want to say he's powering with electricity the storage place that keeps the babies Kelly Wand, as,
0: as your lawyer I advise you to say no more
1: yeah All I right. would agree <laughs> don't so talk I
4: want.
0: <laughs> we'll see if we can get you off on good behavior or something I <laughs> mean you
1: know I mean a graveyard <laughs> it's, a cool it's a cool idea up front but once you kind of peel away the layers see Listen, Kelly Wand, uh, you
0: said too much you should have just let it go
2: but semantics
1: no it's not semantics They're, that's not storage
0: as your lawyer, I strongly advise you to cease and desist. Speak. A pregnant woman's storage. <laughs> all right. Let me give you guys a quote from my favorite example of storage or inventory. Ready? <laughs> now that I've won that argument. Kelly, <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll be um, disappointed if you don't get this one. Oh. I think it's not so much. Ready? Must be pretty easy then. Shoot. It felt like i could have a pretty good weekend in Vegas with all that stuff. Well, of course. That's alien.
1: No, oh, that's. Did you uh, it? Of course, I got it.
2: Uh, Kelly, why don't you
0: just be ashamed of yourself? Dingus the got it. Didn't? It's You're a Kubrick movie. Kubrick. Kubrick. Oh, uh, 2001. I 2001, but it's not that one. It's the good Kubrick movie. Yeah. I think it is as bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in Doctor Strange Love, when, when they get the. <laughs> When they get the notice that they're, they lipsticks, pair of nylon, no lipstick, no lipstick thing is sure actually is there's not
1: a lipstick? I think there's lipstick in there.
0: I thought it went straight from the condom to the three pairs of nylon stockings. I have a list here. The lipstick.
1: All 45 right. Forty-five
0: caliber auto, two boxes of ammo, four days of rations, antibiotics, vitamins, pep pills, sleeping pills, tranquilizer pills, a mini Russian phrase book and Bible, hundred dollars in rubles, hundred dollars in gold, nine packs of chewing gum. A condom, and this is where the lipstick would go. You might be right, Dingus. I might have just missed it. Uh, and then three pairs of nylon stockings.
2: A condom storage, too.
0: <laughs> if that helps. <laughs> Lawyer thoughts. I'm recusing myself from this case. What?
1: Especially if you were, uh, if you were the, uh, if you were uh, in the movie presumed innocent.
2: A courtroom storage.
1: So remember how I
2: was
0: annoyed at the Sterling Hayden bit where he looks in and he peeks at the Coke machine and it sprays him in the face? Like, no, that's too slapstick. They shouldn't have that in there. This scene almost gets to that point when he's – with all the bits about the different pills. Like, yeah, that's a little bit too goofy. I mean I'm okay with it. It doesn't quite – and even the little tiny Bible slash Russian phrase book when it shows the guy flipping through, it's like literally the size of like – a couple of thumbs. It's a little tiny thing. That's uh, almost a little too goofy, but it just like the rest of Strange Love. It just tiptoes up to the point and doesn't go over the point. The point that goes over the line, I mean, is getting sprayed in the face with Coca Cola. That's way too much slapstick. I won't stand for it.
2: In some movies, they use Bibles for alcohol storage.
0: Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, movies or TV shows, Kelly Wand.
1: Yep. Okay. <laughs> when when did they use because remember a bible a bible being used to hold a uh, not a pickaxe but a, a little digging axe
2: in the Hobbit? Or,
1: no a rock you no, a rock uh, a little rock axe that he uses in um shawshank redemption
2: hmm.
0: is what's the question
2: <laughs> I forgot Go.
0: is is the butt of an Iraqi in three kings does that <laughs> count his <as a> <laughs>
1: Your wacky ass map.
0: Yeah. Let's leave
1: uh,
2: Abu Ghraib <laughs> out of this for now. Oh. It's, let's
0: see what
1: happens. It's too soon. So, um, too
0: All right, Diggs. Your favorite instance of inventory or storage. Yeah. Right, here's,
1: that's. <laughs> here's a quote from it. Uh, uh. Unit 31 was leased for 10 years, prepaid in full. The contract is in the name of a Miss Hester. Don't even say Moffitt. it. Don't even. Oh, a oh, Miss what? Say it again. Miss Hester Moffat. And yeah, it's got
0: to be Silence of the Lambs, right? It definitely is. Oh, yeah. Dang. I knew what? it. I, I, I win. I win the podcast. How do you win? Cause I knew you were going to pick that. Actually, I didn't know. I knew when you said the line, what the movie was the basket storage for the lotion.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, Brooke, what's her name? Brooke Adams. She's storage for the skin that Jamie gum wants.
2: Yeah. The great okay. big fat person.
0: What's her name? Brooke Adams. I like her a lot. She's like a stage actress. What's her name?
1: She's so great. Uh-huh. Oh man. I really, really love her. Uh, uh, and also, I mean, it's it's such a joy to watch. Um, it's just a joy to watch that opening scene with her, uh, where she's driving in the car and uh, singing along to that uh, Tom Petty song, "American Girl." I I love that so freaking much. I absolutely love it. What's her name? I thought you said it was Brooke Adams. Uh, Brooke Adams is someone else. I Burke. Not that you said it. I don't know. All right.
0: Brooke Burns well, the thing is, it's your favorite movie you should know her name
1: uh, okay I'm sorry Sunny
0: Brooke.
1: Well, now that you said Brooke Adams I'm just going to be intercepted with Brooke Adams it could be Brooke Thomas for all I know or Brooke Jones. don't you know who
0: Brooke, Brooke Adams Smith. is though I can see her in my uh, she's Brooke Invasion Adams. of the Body snow yeah yeah exactly right right
1: all right. so Brooke that's Jones a, Brooke Jones or Brooke, Brooke Smith One it of is, Smith. It's One of is Brooke, Brooke Smith
0: it's Brooke Smith nice work Dingus
1: is it really Brooke
0: yeah Smith. it's really Brooke Smith
1: She's so great watching her watching her sing that song because I love that song so much and then and this movie introduced me to it. But anyway, um,
0: guess real quick. Guess what movie Brooke Smith is in? Losers. She's in Interstellar. Suck it. All right, go.
1: Well, <laughs> what was the Ugh. Is this in a numbered movie or no? Maybe it's a television series like the seven or the nine or the eight. Um, Ray like, Donovan. But, like, she's like a. About, like about a like the, that's this um uh this uh reality show where a bunch of people like have to kill each other
0: oh no yeah 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 oh shoot a monkey yeah what is that
1: dingus it, i don't i don't remember it's it's called like the 7 or the 9 or the 28 or the 5 it's some number i can't remember is it in her shoes it's it's in her shoes is in that <laughs> and this is in her skin um,
0: series seven, the contenders. Dingus wins the internet again. That's really what it's called. Uh, yeah, the yeah. Contenders. Oh, yeah, well, series seven, colon the contenders. Yeah, they all all like have to fight each other. It's like a battle royale kind of thing. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay, good, Dingus. All right. Um. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the the storage facility in this uh, knocks me out because I I love the way it's realized in the movie based on the based on my remembering it. Or based on my experience of watching the movie, having read the book, and imagining this, uh, storage container. And, uh, and Hannibal Lecter leads her to it. It's called Yourself Storage, is the name of the place. And, uh, and Clary Starling, like, gets this, this clue from Hannibal Lecter after Miggs, like, throws semen on her. And, uh, And she's, and he's like, I hate it when somebody is in, you know, is impolite or rude to somebody. So, um, look deep inside yourself, Clarice Starling. Uh, look for Hester Moffat. And so she does all, she does all this research. She goes to the, you know, the microfiche, uh, with her friend, uh, Casey Lemons, who will eventually become a director. Um, and then she goes off to this storage facility called yourself storage because. She's figured out that Hannibal Lecter wouldn't do wouldn't say something this corny as look deep inside yourself. So she looks looks around and she and she finds this place. It's been prepaid for ten years. Which all all these things I love the way the, the idea of that Thomas Harris has of this this killer who's prepaid this 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 storage facility for 10 years in advance prepaid nobody ever checks it this particular storage facility the guy who runs it is like yes our our clients you know are very concerned with anybody asking any questions so nobody's ever opened this thing it's been paid for 10 years um she can't open the door uh, and she's like, "Can your driver help?" Well, he detests physical labor, so he's not going to help. He, like, looks like this huge Russian dude sitting behind the wheel. He's not going to help. So she uses her car jack to open up the the garage door or the 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 storage facility door. Um, but she can only open it a certain amount of way, and then she gets in. Uh, in the book, what I remember is this weird. There's this weird line where the, where the dude who owns the place says, "Can I suggest you tie off the." um the, the cups of your pants to pre- to prevent mouse intrusion i believe is how he says it in the <laughs> book to prevent mouse intrusion uh and she's like uh okay but in the movie and this is something you know watching it again and and you know a a couple you know when we did tom's thing about recasting or i i saw it as recasting but weird casting i cast alia shakat in this part because I thought this part could use a little more sense of humor to it, but there is a little bit of a sense of humor moment here from Jodie Foster when she's trying to squeeze under this, what, what looks like a garage door, but it's the the this one of these roll up doors for uh, um, a storage facility, and she hands her card over to the guy who owns the facility, and she says, "Well, you know, this is my field office. Just give them a call if." Uh, You know, if I shouldn't come out, or if anything else should happen, she does this little weird, like like if a bomb should go off or other serial killers should show up. It's just this really little, it's this little touch of humor. So I have to give Jodie Foster a little nod there, where she goes, you know, or if anything else should happen. But anyway, she goes into this storage facility, which is which is again, it's much bigger on the inside than it looks like it should be from the outside, which is one of the things I love about the apartment sequence in Triple Nine. I'm not going to give anything away about that, but just watching Triple Nine, the way that develops uh, reminds me, uh, calls to mind anyway, the way that she has to go through this whole storage thing, and then she pulls this American flag off of something, turns out to be an antique car, and that's where she finds uh Benjamin Raspell's head. Um so I, I just love that whole that, that it's just so weird. There's 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 a, a bird of prey, I think it might be an owl uh that's been taxidermied and has all these uh spider webs on it and all these mannequins all around. It's so creepy. Uh but yeah, that storage facility in Silence Labs is my favorite.
0: Alright, so uh what do the listeners have for us?
1: Wait, we have listeners? What are you talking about?
0: Oops, I, so. I don't know, maybe not. Maybe they didn't write in for the topic.
1: No, no, we definitely have listeners. Hmm. I just have the wrong tab open.
0: Oh, well, there's Dingus buying time because he messed up the internet. He broke the internet. Kelly one, that's <laughs> you normally keep your shit. Yeah, that's
1: right. true. Uh we have Chris Hobson. Uh, His uh, third choice is Dune. What? Quote, we have thousands of such caches. How would you say that? Cache? Caches? Yeah. Um, And when we have enough... No, Kelly,
0: Juan. Cache is reputation. Cache is something that's like stored or hidden. Sorry, words aren't my forte.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And when we have enough, we shall change the face of Arrakis. Paul and his mom visit a Fremen hidey-hole ideal, and find a water catchment and storage facility. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, Paul's vision of water drop falling into water, followed by Shawnee. Is it Shawnee or Chani? That's
0: a good question. I always thought it was Chani, right? All
1: right. It might be Chani. I mean,
0: played by Sean Young, though, so Shawnee. Isn't that Sean uh-huh. Young's character?
2: It's poor man's
0: Rachel Ward. So, mm, okay. Yeah, well, I don't... Sh- well, hmm. Sean Young's yeah. such a goofball these days. Shani Young.
1: You know, there's no way out of that uh, analogy. Um, but Shawnee saying, tell me your homeworld, Usul, unfolds. Kelly made this quote recently and reminded me of the scene. Your other schmucks really? didn't recognize it, so here's your explainer.
0: Oh, he thinks that we didn't understand a tell-me-of-your-homeworld, Usul
1: reference. Yeah. yeah, that
0: could be from anything. Gosh, yeah. what could that be from? The, okay. many,
1: the many movies of Usul. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Did so, I do that line?
1: Apparently, according, according
0: to the listener, yeah, uh, according,
1: according to Chris, Chris Hobson. Chris Hobson has uh, called you out on this.
2: I guess I was Hobson's choice.
1: <laughs> What's that from?
0: I'm sure he's never heard that one before. It's from uh, Charles Lawton.
1: Oh. Get the yoke. Yeah, and then he'll be able to quote me not being able to get it in a later email. Yeah. Uh, Chris Hobson's number two is from The Dark Crystal. An embarrassing, cringeworthy town hall dance of podlings. <laughs> I is, thought they're called
2: elflings.
1: Well, it's podlings here. Is mercifully aborted when Gartham soldiers crash through the wall and stuff the podlings into net sacks for storage during transport to the Skeksis castle. Aww. Terrible folk music is replaced with a sweet sound of screaming podlings.
0: Net sacks for storage. That makes me think of where the uh, the tripods in War of the Worlds keep all the people, when they, when they pick them up and put – like where Tom Cruise gets put in with his grenade and, and all the people in the tripod. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah. That makes me think of the of, – uh, what's the Terminator movie with uh, – It's the McG one. Terminator yeah.
0: motorcycles come out of your legs.
1: Yeah, they one. break. And they keep yeah. dropping people into those little storage units yeah. after, the, uh, after the car uh, car chase.
0: Is that like Terminator Revelation or something? What was that one called, Kelly? Salvation, I think. Salvation. Ew. Gosh, the Terminator
2: great. franchise is now in storage.
0: No, we like the last one, kind of.
2: Remember, you guys did, you
0: damn fools. Yeah, Genesis. <laughs>
2: Jesus Christ,
0: why are you hating on high court, guy Courtney? What that Courtney? Ugh. <laughs> Remember when uh, Dingus thought that uh Jason Clark it turned into black nano swords and the apes?
1: <laughs> do we have to do this? <laughs> that never happened. There's no actual record of that on the internet.
0: Of Jason They're both apocalyptic. And they both have Jason Clark and they both have special effects. <laughs> he is monkey like. Oh, he's not.
2: Oh,
1: he meant me. I think he meant me. <laughs> I meant Jay Courtney. All right. so Courtney, uh, always. Chris Hobson, let's move on, please, from this weird – I don't know what tangent you guys are on. Um, Clear. Chris Hobson's number one is The Black Cat from 1934.
0: Uh, what? I'll- they didn't have movies back then. Nice try, Chris Hobson.
1: His quote is, You see, Vitus, I have cared for her tenderly and well all these years. Uh, Hjalmar – Played by Boris Karloff.
0: Oh yeah, not uh, not to be confused with the guy uh, <laughs> who was Ed Wood. Uh, Lon Chaney. No, shoot. Lugosi. Bell Bellegossi. Why oh, am I? Kelly. That? I wanted him to come up
2: with it. Damn. He's not gonna. We don't have that kind of time. He's got <laughs> twenty sharp things to get
0: through. Sure. <laughs> Bela Bel. How can I? Oh. You would be so bummed that I'm confusing him with Boris Karloff, too. I feel awful.
1: Oh, Luton. Always.
0: No one knows what you're talking about, Kelly Wand.
1: Oh, oh. Hjalmar, played by Boris Karloff, stores women in his basement after they've been sacrificed in his cult ceremonies. This includes Karin, a former wife of his friend <laughs> Vitus, played by... Charles Gossi.
0: Oh. Oh. They both were in a movie together. <laughs> They're huh. both
1: in the black Cat. That's uh, Lon Chaney always when Vetas comes to visit and insists that Hjalmar show him his wife or show him to his wife he takes him to his basement to show off his favorite inventory item uh, sounds like a totally creepy movie and I love that it has uh, both Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff in it thank you Chris
2: needs more Lon Chaney Frankenstein was made out of uh, corpses and storage
1: what was the monster made out of?
2: Brains. Yeah, Kelly wand.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh-huh. me. Damn it! Why did uh, I say anything? Yep, you're one of those guys who thinks that Frankenstein is the monster. Doesn't realize it's the doctor.
1: Nice work, Kelly wand. Uh, Paul Weimer is our next. Hi Unless guys.
2: he made it of Frankenstein uh, corpses, like if he just raided his
0: family tomb, then it's Frankenstein. He's the monster.
2: Kelly, hey, one, Paul Weimer
0: is about to give us his favorite storage and inventory.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just saying. Matrix. So, so Paul says, hi, guys. Set store by my picks for Diggus's topic. So as I was saying... Um... <laughs> <laughs> so Paul Weimer's number three. In The Fellowship of the Ring, Gandalf, Ian McKellen, has Frodo... <laughs> yeah? Who Elijah, plays him? Elijah. Elijah. Yeah. Well it could have been Gandalf played by um uh the scientist we talked about last week. Um so in Fellowship of the Ring, they drop the one ring into an envelope, then seals it with wax, keep it secret, keep it safe.
0: It doesn't seem like a very safe way to store the one true ring. They don't know it's the one true ring at that point though, do they? They're using Frodo as storage to no, get to Mordor.
1: Because it's not until Gandalf comes back and they throw it into the Fire. Like, yeah. Right, right. Uh, all my research is paid off. When did he
0: get played by Sean Connery? Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: isn't he always?
2: He uses Money Penny as storage.
1: <laughs> hey.
2: What? What? <sighs> he stores his hat in Money Penny's office, if you know what I mean.
1: So a hat rack is a storage facility now? Yeah. All right. uh, so, and a holster is a gun storage facility?
2: A tree. Is a coat rack.
1: (laughs) For leaves. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Paul (laughs) Weaver's number two is in The Prince's Bride. There's a funny bit with the Dread Pirate Roberts, played by Carrie Ellis, recently back from the near dead, Inigo and Fezig, as they start figuring out what they have available for the Castle Assault to rescue Buttercup. Why didn't you list that amongst our assets? So he's talking about a Holocaust cloak, by the way. So uh, that's their personal storage, I guess. And Paul Wehmer's number one, in Inception, uh, at the third level of the dream, where Robert Fisher, Killian Murphy, has, thanks to the manipulations of the Inceptors, managed to convince himself that an old toy is inside a safe beside his father's bed, fulfilling that part of their complicated plan when he pulls it out and has a reconciliation with him thereby. Uh, there is, he says parenthetically, there's another storage safe in Inception 2 that I could have chosen down in Limbo with a spinning top. I like that one too. There's an Inception 2? Uh, yeah, electric Boogaloo. Uh, oh. best regards and thanks always, Paul Weimer. Uh, oh. oh, Paul's going on vacation, so I'm just letting you all know that. Um, uh, Kelly Arthur? Giovanni Jelly! Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. I thought uh, someone named Kelly Arthur was writing in. <laughs> yeah,
0: Kelly Arthur. <laughs> that confused me. All right. Until Kelly it's, Juan jumped in. I, now I understand. Okay.
1: Arthur Jovan. Um, say it again, Kelly.
2: Jovan and Jelly. Yeah. You
1: say it the best. Uh, number three, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Ugh. The Room of Requirement – is a magical room within the Hogwarts school of witchcraft and wizardry that molds the needs of the person who summons it. Over the considerable lifespan of the school, many students have have needed to store things, meaning that one of the room's many functions is a massive storage closet filled with magical devices from many different eras. The vastness of the room is impressive, and its final fate is slightly sad but still fun to watch. Arthur, you just made me kind of want to watch this movie.
2: The Chamber of Secrets is storage for a pterodactyl in the second one.
0: Which one – isn't one of the Harry Potter movies directed by Alfonso Cuaron, the gravity yeah. guy who that's we love? that's the
2: third one, yeah. That's the one that everybody likes.
0: Can you just see it out of order? Like, you, does, does it work to just jump in the middle of a Harry Potter yeah. movie? Yeah.
2: Skip the first two. All right. And then uh, stop after the third
1: one. Arthur's number two – man, Arthur, this is really good. Damn. This is totally a storage thing. Arthur. All right, so Arthur's number two is Ghostbusters, 1984. In the original Ghostbusters, the team makes use of a massive, massive device to store ghosts they catch since they can't really get rid of them. When this storage facility draws the attention of the EPA, Bill Murray does not allow them to examine it after the EPA comes back with a court order, disaster strikes, and hell is unleashed upon New York. Uh, This is great because it's called a storage – it's called that. That's great.
2: Dickless doesn't believe the storage is real.
1: Is that true?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Even I knew what Dingus is doing there, Kelly Wand. (laughs) Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. That was the correct response. (laughs) Kelly Wand, let me – so what if someone were to use this as a quote from a movie and expect you to get (laughs) the quote? I'm going to give you a quote, and you tell me, is this a viable thing to quote from a movie – And expect people to know you're referencing that movie. Here's the quote, Kelly Wan. Ready? Yes, have some. Why would someone quote that line from a movie? Why is that quotable? Who would know that that's a Ghostbusters reference? You didn't know. Uh, If I'd been the Bill Murray
2: character and the guy said, is that true? I would just go, yeah.
0: All right, well, I'm Wait, have some more is from Oliver Twist?
1: No, no yes, have, some. have they, some more. They say, the, they say the line twice.
0: Yes, have some. So that's, that's internationally recognized as a Ghostbusters quote apparently. I don't know why I wouldn't get that. So yes, have some. It's Ghostbusters.
1: Yes, yes have some.
0: What, who says that? See, see dingus, Kelly, if Kelly Wan doesn't know, what hope is there? That's a good point. Yes, what's, have the, some. Yeah, what's the context for this? See if you can jog Kelly Wan's memory because I still have no idea what it's from.
1: Well, it's about coffee, so you should like it even more. And it said to Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis says, can I have some coffee? And someone says, yes, have some? Yeah, and and Harold Ramis says, "Uh, yes, have some. And he goes, yes, have some. Because he's got that – because he's –
0: Why is that? Somebody wants coffee. Because he's repeating stuff.
1: He doesn't want coffee, but they're trying to treat him for his malady of being possessed by – some sort of a beast and they have that thing on his head and and you see the weird beast face and they're like, Yeah, give him some coffee. Uh should I have some coffee? Yes, have some. Yes, have some. Uh,
0: yeah, I don't I don't know. I still don't remember it. And it's not just Dingus, it's another one of my friends too. Like this isn't just this isn't just a weird Dingus thing. This is a apparently Ghostbusters fans thing. I don't know.
1: This isn't so, just a weird Dingus thing.
0: Yes, have some. That's a quote. It's a Ghostbusters quote. Ghostbusters, 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 Ghostbusters fans, that's like their shibboleth. That's how they recognize. It's like their secret handshake. So they recognize each <laughs> other. I'd recognize
2: Get Her as a Ghostbusters line. That's, that's Jurassic
0: Park. Oh, Get Her.
2: Yeah, because that's Ackroyd's plan. What's, the, most,
0: what's the shortest, most record, like, I think, clever girl? Everybody knows that's yeah. Jurassic Park. Three yeah, syllables. Just, Can yeah. you guys give me a two-syllable thing that's more recognizable?
2: Uh, make my day.
0: Oh, I got one. I know. No, dingus, dingus, st- dingus no one's talking to you. I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> I got one. I know. Two I syllables. care. <laughs> oh, very good. Oh, very good.
1: Hmm. Maybe. Oh no, it I- might. High ground. Oh, it might.
0: Shoot, Star Wars is full. That's because Lucas isn't smart enough. That's like when you analyze Trump's speech. <laughs> there are very he uses very few multisyllabic words. Like he's not. He doesn't have a big vocabulary. Same with Star Wars. George <laughs> Lucas didn't have that big of a vocabulary. Lines like "It might," "I know," "I care." What's the most? What's the word in the Star Wars universe with the most syllables? I'll tell you.
1: midichlorians <laughs> That's not in the Star Wars universe, I'm sorry (laughs) to tell you. Yeah. All
0: right, anyway, dingus, yes, have some. Have some midichlorians.
1: Oh. Arthur's number one choice, Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, Franco's forces have a large building filled with food, medical supplies, and other necessities that they can use and pass out to the locals. The commander of the troops has also makes use of this building when he needs alone time with a prisoner. The storage facility is locked, and there are not that many people that have keys, a fact that is important when items from it are found with the rebels. Oh. Boy, I don't remember any of that, and I love it. Great I
0: thought he was going to pick the room where the Pale Man, where Ophelia goes down, there's all the food, and she's not supposed to eat a crepe. Because maybe yeah. it's being stored? is
1: not being stored, though. I don't know. Hmm. Alright, next we have Dan Winningham. Hello friends, D-Win here. I'm writing you f- to you from the first floor of an undisclosed location in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Okay. Just one entry for this three-way 3 but I suspect it's the one that prompted the topic. Jody Foster's, very good, you're right, D-Win. Uh, Jody Foster's investigation of the self-stories locker in Silence of the Lamps. I love D-Win. D-Win's one of my favorites.
0: Right. What's this about an undisclosed location in the first floor of a building in Michigan? What is that?
1: Uh, I think he's talking about one of uh, a, a different podcast. I think it's a, a, an inside joke.
0: Oh, I didn't know um, if it was like from Ghostbusters or
1: something. I don't think so. Okay. Um, yes,
0: have some. Uh,
1: taxidermy mannequin parts, a hearse covered with an American flag. That's right. It's a huge, enormous American flag. Um, and a pickle jar are just some of the oddities inside. Whomever put the look of that location together was hopefully rewarded. Well, you know what, DeWin, uh, you're absolutely right to bring that to light. And I meant when I was uh, writing things up this week to look up who the production designer was. And I'm kicking myself for not having done so because that, that whole, that whole, uh, the way the storage is put together and the way that car is put together, the way one of the doors doesn't unlock and you have to, and he can open the other door, but it's got curtains on it. So she can't see what's in it. And then she pulls the cloth off of the, the, that huge jar that has Benjamin Raspel's head in it. Um, and the way the head looks in the, in the preservation liquid. Um, you're right. Produ- I should have really highlighted the production design. I totally forgot to do that. I feel like a crap head for doing that. But I'll, I'll write it up later. Anyway, um, uh, that's it. That's the list. Best D-Win. Is it a list if there's only one thing? Hmm. If it's a list of one. Mm.
2: Is it storage if nothing's in it?
1: Well, what I was nervous about was if people would think of – because I was thinking of inventory as things you have in the back, like a, in a stock room uh, that that a business might have or People might have that you would bring out to the front when you need it. So not necessarily, but you can also look at inventory as a list. But I think that's a different topic. I mean, I don't know if we've done topics of like lists and movies, uh, but you can look at inventory as that as well. Uh, next we have Chris Markinson, and I have to say that Chris wrote a lot of other stuff uh, about the movie that I didn't bring up uh, because I think he pretty much tracked with us. I mean, he he really. You know, I mean, he liked the movie a lot. Uh, He liked the performances a lot. Um, uh, He didn't think there was a lot for Gal Gadot to do in the movie. Um,
0: Well, that's true. Well, yeah, I mean, there's not much she can do.
1: Yeah. Oh, (laughs) snap.
0: Oh, ouch. They're going to give her a whole Wonder Woman movie, though. We're going to get to see. uh, I am Sephantophe. Not Kate Winslet. What's the matter with you? Wow. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. And by the way, Gal Gadot really is uh, uh, not Australian, Israeli. So she, unlike Kate Winslet, was she didn't have to do an accent. Just talk like her normal self. Hmm. And Rayleigh, it's Rayleigh Chick. Kelly one. when you hear the word taxidermy, what movie comes to mind? What movie line? This is not uh, a thing to see. Funny city. Farm. No, come on. Seriously? Taxidermy? Yeah. House of a- Wax. Taxidermy man yeah. going to have a heart attack when he sees what I brung him. Oh. You didn't Jaws. go right there. You didn't go immediately there when you heard the word taxidermy. It wasn't just like – didn't just like fire off neurons in your head going straight to the line in Jaws? Taxidermy. I'm really disappointed. You're right. It's Jaws. It's Quint when he's uh dragging the shark in.
1: That counts as taxidermy?
0: He says the taxidermy man going to have a heart attack when he sees what I brought him. I hmm. thought
1: you said it was like as if you were talking about that guy. It's his character name, taxidermy. Hey, look, that tiger darker. shark's Come in here.
2: storage, and the license plates in storage in the shark.
1: <laughs> Everything being, you ate today is in storage.
0: <laughs> it's
2: being yeah. used
1: though.
0: You're digesting it,
1: right? So food. You're much was, like a battery in the Matrix.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they eat
2: batteries, don't they? Wait. <laughs> Wasn't Battery the short guy in the in the Sentinels? The ship?
1: Wait, yeah, what's they the were ship not, called? They were not included. It was hmm. called the Oculus or something. The Orca. What was that ship called? Oh, shoot. It's... What was it called? The
2: Ophelia. Ocul- oh, dadgummit.
1: The short
2: one was it. called the AAA. Huh. <laughs> the short guy on the ship.
1: Anyway, while you guys think about what the ship was called in the Matrix, we're going to get to Chris Markinson's picks. Hey, guys. I think I'm taking some liberties with the term storage, but here goes. Uh, number
0: three. Uh-oh. Is Markinson in trouble? I love it. Oh, Markinson, in so much trouble.
2: Uh, I hate when Markinson's in trouble.
1: In The Matrix, I really yes. like.
2: Yeah, yes. Yes.
0: uh uh-huh. Oh. Yes. Kelly Wan, you might get a cellmate there with you. Or No, you know, I... I'm going to represent Chris Markinson, uh pro
1: bono. Yeah. He didn't
0: help me at all. I did, too. He
2: did. Oh, he yeah. was
1: totally your advocate.
2: Yeah. You were my he was, Saul Goodman.
1: He was like the counselor in uh, The Counselor. Uh, sure. Chris Markinson, number three, storage in The Matrix. I really like how the machines store humans in mm-hmm. those rows mm-hmm. and rows of pods to harvest their energy and keep yep. them plugged into The Matrix. That's right. Grain silo. That's right. The way we store batteries in our car engines. A
0: grain silo, though, Kelly, Wan, the grain isn't being used. Yeah. Wait, uh, hold on. I'm screwing up as your defense attorney. I shouldn't (laughs) point that out. Overruled.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Chris. That's what I like to say in court. Chris is number two. Storage in the rover. (sighs) Uh Uh-oh. Guy Pierce is washing some dirt. I'm going to be careful. Don't worry. I'm reading ahead as I read. Washing some dirt and blood off himself when he hears a howl. He walks to a room and opens to find two rows of cages with dogs in them. The woman who lives with the in the home explains that she has to keep the dogs locked up most of the time, otherwise people will take them for food. Pierce is excellent in the scene, and is more poignant when you watch the movie a second time. Uh, this is a good choice. That's a great uh, choice. it might win. Yeah, it certainly calls to mind this weird, in a crappy way, that in a good way from the book, uh, of of something that's going on in a negative way in the road, in that basement. Um, but this is her protecting those dogs, and yeah, that's good. I really like that choice.
0: Dingus, what kind of guns is the midget selling
1: in the rover? The frounged.
0: And when Uncle Owen tells Luke,
2: uh, I need you for harvest next season, Luke's storing his resentment.
1: Jeez, wow. I just wonder where they're keeping all that moisture. They're moisture farmers. Where do they store it? In the moisture silo. <laughs> in
0: the
1: moisture silo. Like why don't they just keep it like in a little water bottle?
2: Uh Chris in Terry is- Fisher. Oh, yeah. Oh
1: what? Mm-hmm. They're keeping it in Cerry Fisher. I'm just trying to fit in, alright? I don't know. Oh, okay. It's not getting say. better. Chris is number trouble. one for inventory. I'm guessing that Tom might have used this one, but in Wild, uh-huh. Reese uh-huh. Spoon comes to a camp while walking the Pacific Crest Trail, which Tom thinks is the Appalachian Trail.
0: I said, no, no, I said it was a trail like that, but not uh, that one.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: It's not the one that you say you're on when you're
1: having an affair with your mistress. And you're actually in Argentina. So the Pacific Crest Trail, and she has this great scene with Cliff Dion about, about what she should and shouldn't be carrying in her backpack. Thanks, guys.
0: Chris. Oh, look! So Chris Markinson picked one that I picked, and he picked one that Kelly Wan picked. And
1: uh, oh, sorry, How embarrassing! <laughs> <laughs> All right, Poor old a, you bring you up say the saying? rears always. Well, somebody's got to. Another reference to the rover. All right, so uh, do we have any runners up? Yes, have some. Uh,
0: I do not have any, I'm afraid. Uh, just, it's, a, it's a great topic. There's a bunch of things, but I just picked my three favorite and then didn't have any left over. What about you guys?
2: Uh, so, in Zapped, there's an aquarium where <laughs> Scott Bale keeps his
0: in storage. And by what about you guys, I meant Dingus, do you have any?
1: Oh. Well, an aquarium <laughs> is really just a storage closet for fish. Uh, Heather
0: Thomas's
2: shirt. <laughs> that, <Kelly Ward>. Wow <laughs> You don't see much of
1: it uh, So uh, one of the things That inspired me to write up this Was uh, was 10 Cloverfield Lane And all the, the inventory That he's got in all those shelves
2: I was trying to think Oh okay sorry No no you go ahead I was trying to think of storage container things that were cool. But all I could think of was that one from A-Team where they like fight over the storage containers and they fall like uh, children's blocks,
1: kind of. Well, like, my, my favorite one of those is, yeah, they, they Kelly's right, they do fall like Legos. like like Yeah, they're like dodging them, like, whoa! Yeah, it's really this terrible siege. Like
2: that house that the kids are jumping around in with that stuff that drowns you right water yeah no no uh, <laughs> rubber balls
1: that a made out of water <laughs> um, my favorite storage container that you just made me think of is from lethal weapon 2 which has like a bmw in it packed with a bunch of cash that <laughs> they drive out of wait the, the last fight's here.
2: in a storage container in lethal yeah. Weapon
1: 2. yeah 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 but- on a, it's on a boat, and but they get out of it by driving the car out of the storage container, I think. Ah,
2: uh, trick. Oh, yeah. That's great. Come on. That's the best one. Dig and this, all the cash. Like, another awesome thing in Lethal Weapon
1: 2. Yeah,
0: yeah. Do you guys know a movie called The Snowtown Murders? That has a pretty gruesome storage container scene.
1: Is that the new movie
0: by Oliver Stone? No. It's a guy named Justin Kurzel who did a little movie called Macbeth. Hmm. Is it
2: a Christmas movie?
0: The Snowtown Murders? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah you don't know, no. You don't want to watch that on Christmas. This way, no. I would. Tell you know what, I would think you would. You would. You would know the snow. It's just called Snowtown or Snowtown Murders. I think it's both. I would think you know that movie. Uh, but it's it's about a real case where they found um, a bunch of uh, murder victims stuffed in barrels full of like acid. Uh, and it's.
2: I prefer to associate Snowtown with its angels.
0: Well, there's a town in Australia called Snowtown, and they kind of resent the fact that this is what they're known for. Deer certs yeah. in Hollywood.
2: <laughs> <laughs> We're known for a lot of cool things, too. Ice cream sandwiches, popsicles.
0: What else going? on? Other types of ice cream. Bats of acid.
1: Bobby Bones. <laughs>
0: Uh, all right. Oh, yes.
2: Sorry, go on. Go ahead. Just snow is a good way to preserve the bodies.
0: I think Snowtown, the name might be ironic. I doubt they have snow there. Does, does Australia ever get snow?
2: I don't know. What's snow with you?
1: <laughs> they They have penguins there, don't they?
2: <laughs> they have penguins, don't they? Starring Jane Fonda.
1: They do have does penguins Does that answer your there. question?
2: Oh. Where? Australia? Uh uh-uh. uh Yes, they do. Those. Maybe they're in the kangaroo pouches. <laughs> That's storage for baby kangaroos. Yeah, see?
0: <laughs> what a rich topic this was. All right, and, well, Kelly Wand, what do you have? Uh, this a tough fact to follow then. What is the topic going to be next week? Well, we've done
2: Best Oceans. Uh-oh. We've done Best Watch Parts. Uh-oh. But we've never done... Best sneezes. So the three best sneezes in movies. Because I notice in movies when someone sneezes, it's never convincing. Yeah, that's a Even tough thing. The confusion. characters all, I can do a really cool fake sneeze, like Ellen Alda does some in Mash, but they're not that good. So can,
1: can we use TV shows? Because yeah. I have a favorite sneeze from TV shows.
0: You can just use sneezes from your life, <laughs> <laughs> Kelly. What if the listeners would? I mean, I'm sure they're, they're they're right now just neurons firing in their brain with great ideas of movie sneezes. How would they submit those to the podcast? If you'd like to talk about
2: uh, scenes in movies that you saw where someone sneezed and discussed three of them, send those. Choices. Or fewer, or
0: fewer doesn't. Or fewer, or fewer, or like,
2: doesn't have to be
1: three. d Dwin but sent us a list of one. That's allowed. Right. I've got one, so now I can retire. I've got. I've uh, already got my favorite scenes. This is a good, This is a good topic. I'm good.
2: Sneezes don't normally come in threes, though, or do they?
1: If they come in fives, you get whatever you wish for. That's what I was told. Beetlejuice.
2: Uh, what? So this sneeze? So you would want to sneeze?
1: No, it's it's if you happen to sneeze five times, you get whatever you wish for.
0: Why aren't you guys saving this for the podcast?
1: Sorry, this is the podcast.
0: <laughs> you mean, I mean over the, the pod- course of your life, or you have to do it all at once?
1: So no,
2: in hard. a
0: row. How
1: oh, about the course of your
2: life? Because then the sixth one, you're like, oh. Oh, uh, send those choices to 3x3 at quarter to three dot com, spelled out, except for the first two threes. That's how you remember it. That's the mnemonic device I use.
0: Uh, and, Kelly, what movie are we seeing next week?
2: Oh, uh, next week we're seeing um, Blair Witch?
0: <laughs> That's not played in Germany for a while. Uh, no, we're seeing Magnificent Seven or m7
1: yeah if you want to call it. oh we don't know which one we're going to see yet our next in our odd number of movies festival
2: right yeah oh yeah and they're also primes
0: nine isn't a prime number what's the matter with you what oh i thought it was a three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the triple part okay yeah yeah uh and if you if you have any comments about magnificent seven because you're probably going to see it it's getting a wide opening uh Chris Pratt is in it. Who doesn't want to see a Chris Pratt movie? It's uh, not with only- Taylor Lautner, though, right? Mm, that's ridiculous. Six. Oh, really? uh, Taylor Lautner and uh, Taylor Kitsch is in Lone Survivor. So you got to go wait. Another uh, math title. Right. Exactly. Uh, if you see Magnificent <clears throat> Seven, uh, let us know. Write to us at three x three at quarter to three dot com. Also, send us a separate email on that, though. We don't want to get it mixed in with our sneeze submissions. Uh, <laughs> and you guys, by the way. Uh, I okay. The name of the ship in the Matrix? There is no way in hell you guys would remember this. And the only reason that I'm like, oh yeah, is because it's an opera. The name the of fly? the fly? Sh- nope. Yeah, the, that is an opera though. <laughs> the uh, <fly. laughs> The name of the ship in uh in the Matrix? You ready for this? The Nebuchadnezzar.
1: Oh, the Nebuchadnezzar.
0: A, it almost sounds like a sneeze when you say that. By yeah. the way. Yeah. Why would they something
2: they need to have to say fast a lot and come in like get the Nebuchadnezzar like why would they make it like a long thing?
0: I guess the Indianapolis is long. Probably has a nickname, like the Nebu. They just call it the Fly. The Nezer. I would call it if I was the captain of the Nebuchadnezzar. I would encourage the crew to call it the Nezer. The knees. No, no, Nezer. Because knees are a real thing. You don't why not have... Just the N word. Whoa, whoa, yeah, that's this that's
2: is the, another
1: thing that we're going to disagree with on pronunciation.
2: What? Is it pronunciation?
1: Yeah.
2: Um. Hmm. Are there any ships in the Magnificent Seven? Is this like a seafaring
0: take on things? We'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out if there are any references to Nebuchadnezzar as well. That Maybe that's like the like name that. of the ship in it is the Magnificent Seven. Could be. We'll find out. Join us for that next week. I'm Tom Chick. <laughs> I've been here with – speaking of pronunciations – Christian Murstlinski. It's Christian
1: Muraski.
0: You're saying the exact same thing I said. I don't know what your deal is. And <laughs> Kelly Wand. Yes, have some.
2: La la la. I guess I like that movie now that I know it was dumb on purpose.
1: You know, I think I'd prefer it if you just watched porn. Mm.
3: I swore an oath to keep it secret. This
0: lie has kept Apocalypse at bay for hundreds of years. We were afraid if the Queen's heart was destroyed, you'd lose your immortality or die. That
4: wasn't your choice to make!
2: Hmm... I've heard he's a secret bibliophile, and that's why I moved to Sri Lanka, Vin Diesel.